Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Silm Film Project. Uh, this is session number 16 of season five, uh, and I'm here. I'm uh, introducing... Um, uh, introducing things here today uh, because unfortunately we've had a change. Trish Lambert, the Tolkien maven who normally joins us, has been joining me in this for many years now, uh, has unfortunately had to had to step down. She has so many things going on right now and was uh, uh, was is not able to continue with us. So she is. Um, uh, you know, sends her uh, best regards. And of course, you know, she will always be, uh, uh, she's not abandoning the project entirely and will still be in touch at times, but it's not going to be able to make it to regular broadcasts. So we will be missing Trish's presence uh, here in the, um, uh, here in the, the, the short term at least. So um, hence my, uh, you know, not nearly so adequate uh, introduction here uh, to start off. Uh, and Dave, I hope Dave will be able to make it back here this evening, but I'm not sure uh, things, as Nick fully understands, bedtimes being somewhat unpredictable uh, at times. <laughs> so um, uh, so we're going to go ahead uh, and begin uh, here today. Uh, so we're gonna I'm, I'm sort of shifting the focus a little bit tonight tonight we were i think we said last time we were going to talk about the frame last time and it's i still will do that that will happen i will talk about the frame tonight but we're not going to spend much of the time about the frame tonight because i want to make sure that we there's some odds and ends uh that we need to finish up from last time that i didn't want to just rush through and in particular the dagger bragalock this is the big two episode set piece at the end of the season that we really need to uh make sure that we have really clear ideas about this is this is this is going to be an important thing not just um not just for the uh um uh the uh, like the sort of you know the plot arcs and everything but this is this is where the whole story culminates right and we need to really make sure that we're working through all of the different combinations of this and and making sure that the Dagor Bragalak as we're scripting it uh, is something that's really going to be a fit culmination to the storylines that we've been developing during the season. So this seems worth taking a little bit of time over. So I'm going to spend a lot of our time on the Dagor Bragalak tonight, uh, and then hopefully we'll polish up uh, other odds and ends, and then we'll get to... Um uh, we'll, we'll, we will talk about the frame and set up a fuller discussion of the frame next time is I think how we're going to handle that. So that's the plan. Um, and, uh, let us just, let us jump straight in to things here. Uh, so, uh, here's just a, 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 a we've got a revision of our season outline here. Um, and uh, was this, but this wasn't mapped onto episode numbers last time, right? This is a very similar flow chart, but I don't, I don't remember the numbers being along the bottom. So that's pretty cool. So let's just do a, a brief glimpse at this here going through. So we've got episode one, um, Arathel and Gondolin and Beor meeting Finrod, right? Beor and Finrod is the main story. Then episode two, Arathel, and uh, uh, Nick, feel free to sort of elaborate or comment on things as we go here. Um, Arathel... <laughs> Arathel, the primary protagonist of episode two, right? That's where she uh, does her primary journey. Um, her sketchy romance with Aeol happens in uh, episode three, as does the death of Beor. So that's where we really get to also. So we get to talk about 
Aravel's marriage and also death uh, in the same episode, mm-hmm. which seems uh, good. That's a good combination. Super appropriate. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, then we've got uh, we've got the birth of Maeglin coming in at the same time as the stockade battle uh, and uh, Sauron beginning to do his thing with the captives, uh, doing his spell of really significant quantity of dread uh, that he is not quite bottomless, but you get a few free refills of the dread, but it's not completely bottomless. Um, anyway, so we got him doing that there in in, uh, in episode four, episode five. That's the unfriendship of the green elves episode uh, with the arrival of the folk that shall soon be the house of Hador uh, into uh, uh, Beleriand. Uh, and we've got... Um, is I there think, a way to say that, like the uh, the artist formerly known as Prince, <laughs> sort of, or yeah, the the people soon to be, you know, who, yeah, I guess. Uh, the, the 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 people of Hador, um, and then uh, the right Arathel things getting worse for Arathel uh, there, uh, and her being confined in an Elmoth. Um, and and Haleth, right? Haleth is also beginning there in episode five as well. So we've got the unfriendship on the one hand and the forging ahead of uh, of the Haladin on the other hand. Episode six, um, the escape, Rogren and Anil escaping, Hador helping out there. So Hador will have been brought over uh, into the northwest by that time. And we've got Haleth killing Tevildo there in episode six as well. Episode seven, the Council of Estelad, and of course the uh, uh, the impersonation of Amlach uh, by Sauron, and then Episode Eight, um, Andreth moving the House of Beor to Ladros from Nargothrond, and uh, Eol and Maeglin visiting the dwarves. So we get we get some more uh, some, both some Eol and Maeglin thing. I'm really glad that we're doing that. That we're getting Eol and Maeglin together uh, there in an episode. I mean, it's it's. Good to have a lot of the focus on Aravel herself through that uh, whole pro- plot thread, I think, in the season. Um, but I do think that that Aeol Maeglin connection is a really important one. And we get the dwarves in there, too. So that's good. Um, and then maybe from that, a dwarf story can kind of spin off uh, into uh, spin off into episode nine. Uh, and then uh, uh, Andreth. And Ignore's love relationship there, along with Thor and Gwethil. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look at that. Not all my broadcasts are happening. That's fun. Good times. I hate it when I hit a button and it just, like, I like I miss it or something. Like, I totally mm. hit that button. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've been having a little fun not sending audio out to Twitch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Weeks, that's, so. that, that's, a fun, yeah. that's a fun challenge right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that one's that one's good. Anyway, sorry. So as I was saying, sorry. So we've got the um, uh, right the 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 Dracula moment there in episode nine, episode ten, Fingolfin, uh, Fingolfin sort of receives his warning right and is getting ready for his big push. Bari here takes the lead of the house of Hod- of Beor. Um, uh, we've got the double wedding and the return to Gondolin in episode ten. So the big tragic culmination of the Maeglin. Uh, the Aradel story, in any case. Um, then we get episode 11, setting up for the Dagor Bragalak. We've got the Athrobeth, Finrod and Andreth, and we've got Fingolfin's big push to uh, uh, to do something. Then the Dagor Bragalak hits, Wall of Flame, episode 12, 
and the duel with Morg and through episode 13 and the duel with Morgoth in 13. So I, I think this is great. I'm really happy with the way that this has come out. I mean, we've been through this several times and I think that this is, there is a lot of stuff that we're trying to balance in this season. This is, this is really challenging from timeline perspectives. Um, and now I know that there was another timeline question, which I think we can, we can address. So one of the issues was there is going to be at least, there's going to be one place in the season where we have to skip some time, right? We've got to skip like 30 years. And the question was where exactly did we want to introduce that, um, that skipping? And I think from everything that I've seen, what seemed to me to make the most sense um, was what um, what you guys called option one, uh, that is to do the skip between episode nine and ten. Um, uh, I, I, I really first of all, I, I really agree. I think that a skip the skip should happen between episodes. I think that that's that's certainly what I think makes most sense um, is it's most natural. It, it makes it much easier to make sure that there's no um, events that appear to be happening concurrently that can't be happening concurrently because their time is moving faster in one part of right. the, uh, the plot than another. So it helps avoid that whole issue. Right. And, and there's something, you know, I mean, one of the concepts of an episode, right. Is that like the, the episode is a story on it's like the, the the episode should be a unified story on its own. And if there's a gap in the middle of it, that's not that that can't work, but it sort of implies that, the you know, the, this, it has to be a story which, you know, accommodates the like 30 years later, you know, in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of the episode. And that, you know, it's not every it story works years. that way. Yeah. yeah. It's tricky. It's tricky. Um, I mean, season two was full of stuff like that, but, well, Elvish it's different. Yeah, doesn't, exactly. It doesn't really look like it. No, you know? no, exactly. And it, what we didn't have in season two is what we will now, which is, you know, starting an episode with Andreth being 30 and ending it with her being 60. Right. I mean, that's what we did not have in season two. Right. That's one of the things you get out of with the Elvish perspective. So, yeah. If um, we were going to do but, something like that, it would be like if we had decided to have a real mayfly experience with Bayor and just show the progression of his life over the course of an episode right that would have been the only time to kind of do something yes. like that and because we want to spend more time with him that's not the way that's going to go down yeah yeah i mean it does open up the really awesome comic possibility of like a bromance montage between Finrod and Bayor, but like every time he's older and more decrepit, you know, so, uh, you know, <laughs> that'd be, that'd be hilarious. Um, but no, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it would, it is kind of a fun idea to sort of show the aging of Bayor essentially from the, um, essentially from the, uh, from the Elvish perspective, right? To sort of shoot it from the Elvish perspective, as it were. And it's like every time you turn around, like Finrod goes back into the room and is like, oh, another thing. And he's like, you know, 10 years older. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be great. I love it. But mm. yeah, but yeah, no, we shouldn't do that. Um, so, okay. Um, that's, but yeah, so that's fine. So I, I like, and you know, the, the wedding itself, right? Both the wedding, the return to Gondolin, um, you know, the advent of 
uh, uh, Fingolfin's warning, like all the things that are happening there are all things that it feels to me would be very comfortable to happen after a gap. Right. Um, and also I kind of, I kind of would like to have the initial story of Andreth and Ignor's relationship, right? The romance between um, uh, Andreth and Ignor. I'd like to have that story sort of finished because that's the, it's not like it's just hanging on, right? It ends. Like there is an ending to that when Ignor says, yeah, I can't. Now, it's not totally over as far as Andreth is concerned, right? She still doesn't get it. She's still bitter about it many years later. But still, you know, it's kind of, um, it's still kind of, it has it has its own arc and is finished uh, at a very definite point. And so I think doing that in one episode uh, and then having time pass that I think that that helps. And having the time pass right after that makes a lot of sense. Right. Because then um, when we come back to Andreth and see Andreth, as we will with Bara here and with the double wedding, you know, Andreth will be around. Um, so to show now Andreth older and also more bitter Right. Um, as a result of 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 that, I, I, that that seems to me to kind of flow together uh, pretty well. Um, uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it is a thing that we've done. I mean, we did a big sort of passage of time like that. I mean, it was much bigger, of course, in terms of years, but um, we did a big passage of time like that back in season two with the, you know, yeah. the second generation of elves coming in and the, mm-hmm. you know, when we set up for the trial of Melkor in the middle of that season. Even in their first episode, um, Celeborn essentially grows up over the course of that episode. Right. You know, he's a right. teenager when it first opens up and then when we get to the end of it, he's a, he's a fully grown adult. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like we haven't done that before. So right. Right. we kind of have a, a, an idea of how that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Hey, so, Nick, it's occurring to me that I uh, totally didn't introduce you at the beginning. Like here, I'm just, like, assuming everybody knows you because you've been part of this project. But why don't I officially introduce you? Uh, Nick Palazzo is joining me here today uh, at the mic and on camera because, uh, as I said before, he's, you know, he, uh, Nick, of course, has been one of the core members of our script team for some time. And so he's been doing a lot of work on this stuff and particularly on the Dagor Bragalock, which is why I am availing myself of his expertise on that material here this evening. Uh, so thank, th- th- thank you, Nick. And I apologize. Apologies for the belated introduction there. Um, okay, so I think that that's all fine. Now, did we? Uh, what is what is the consensus among the script team about the Wall of Flame? Does the Wall of Flame happen in the beginning of episode twelve or the end of episode eleven? Do, is do you guys have strong feelings about that? So what we've been this, and there's a few reasons for this. What um, at least Mary and I have become pretty clear about uh, i'm not entirely certain where everybody else involved lands on it um <laughs> but no, i i legitimately just don't, don't remember every, every point of view on this right thing. right but having the wall of flame appear at the end of episode 11 um allows us to skip from the point where the wall of flame first appears to the point where it's at dorthonia uh, right. because a, a little bit of calculation kind of tells you that if you show it on screen in anything resembling a reasonable at anything resembling a reasonable speed, it's going right. to appear to be more of 
the battle of slow and creeping flame rather than the battle of sudden flame. Right, right. Um, so being able to kind of skip that part of it, which in reality would could happen over the course of a few hours. Right. But even that is going to, like, you're going to see, like, lava slowly moving across the plains. It's not quite... Right. Because you're right. Yeah. I mean, this, it, yes, it's, it, even if it go. I mean, even if we imagine quite a high speed, like, you know, even if the flame is advancing faster than a horse can gallop, it's going to take, you know, from the time when they're like, what's that orange glow on the horizon to we're on fire is going to, is going to be uh, still a fair bit of time. And so you're right. If we capture that, um, yeah, yeah, that, um, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, and, and, and also it just kind of seems to me as a sort of, as a sort of transition, um, a very logical kind of punctuation at the end of episode 11, right? You know, yeah. for the, um, and especially I like emphasizing Nick, the suddenness again, not only the physical suddenness of it, but, um, that essentially Fingolfin's big push is essentially interrupted by Morgoth's right. attack, I think is something that we yeah. really want to convey. Um, whereas if, you know, if we comfortably close, Episode 11, you know, the Athrobeth has happened and, you know, Finrod and Andreth are like, OK, well, you know, not good talk. Uh, you know, see you again later, maybe. And uh, Fingolfin, um, you know, like making arguments and stuff and coming to some kinds of conclusion or other. And then next episode, we begin with the fire. It's not clear how much time has passed. You know, it's mm -hmm. that sense of interruption, I think, is going to be important. We really need yeah. to have the, you know holy crap, Morgoth is attacking. Uh, we didn't expect this. And oh my goodness, this is like an attack like we've never seen before. Um, the whole world is on fire like that, you know. So that realization coming in at the end of episode 11 makes a lot of sense to me. Right. And we're going to be tying up a lot of plot um, towards the end of episode 11 to start with. Right. So it's kind of going to feel like Okay, is, is the season over, or what? We need to signal to the audience that there's that there's more coming. Right. You know. Right. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, and we can we can um, uh, we can show. I mean, if there's some time that needs, you know, Maria suggested, might be some time that needs to pass, uh, mm -hmm. in there. But that's all. Again, that's still right. Fine. It's happening you know, at the end of an episode, so that's perfectly normal to do that sort of thing. Right, exactly. Um, uh, and it still gives us a chance, Rhiannon, as you were suggesting, um, absolutely, we can kind of rewind. If I, I would think, and Nick, I don't know what you're thinking, but I would think that what we would want, again, it's, it's, the, it's the idea of suddenness, right? It's like the sudden terror, the, um, you know... Oh my goodness, look at what's happening. Holy cow, what's that? Kind of that's what we want to capture at the end, right? That's what we want to convey. Right. And I think we can right. do that fairly efficiently at the end. We don't have to show a lot of action on the screen to do right. that. Um yeah. you know, even just uh, you know, like people seeing the glow in the distance and wondering what it is and people looking out and then like we just show, like we can kind of zoom in on I mean, I'm I'm imagining the final shot of that 
episode being like, you know, we kind of come in and we see, and the, you know, we see the flame advancing and you just see Glaurung, right? Glaurung just kind of like goes into this, you know, yeah. into the screen and, you know, disappears in oh, a yeah. burst of flame uh, kind of thing. So that we know what's happening and it's a, you know, sort of a cliffhanger for next time and then boom. So Rhiannon, yeah, the, the kinds of shots that you're thinking of Rhiannon of like, uh, you know, uh, Art Gallen being, uh, you know, systematically burned and destroyed very easy for us to kind of come at the onset of the battle from multiple angles at the beginning of episode yeah. 12 to really sort of establish that having established right. the, you know, the terror of the sudden onset at the end. Well, of the to end. me, the men, the men of Hithmal will probably be the best. Um, the, you know, like the guys who are basically parked on our gallon when this happens, those yeah. are going to be our, our, our best candidates to kind of show the impact of that. Right. Uh, plus, whatever exhausted messenger reaches my <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and they're going to, I mean, they're going to be able to see it. I mean, from Himring, they would, I mean, the. I You're mean, going to be able to see a lot. They're going to be able to see, I mean, the, the, they will know that something is happening for sure, you know, even though it's happening far away. Um, but of course, I don't have to tell a lot of our viewers what enormous fires spreading over large distances, you know, look like and the kind of atmospheric effects that they can have for many, 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 many miles away. Um, I, it's something I know that many of our, many of our listeners have all too much experience with at this point in 2020. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll definitely be apparent uh, from, uh, from, from him ring even, but, uh, but okay, good. Yeah. No, I think that, that, that's I think makes makes the most sense to me too. I do want to make sure that we uh, convey the suddenness of that and having some sense of its breaking in again. Even if it's even if we are having time passing, just in the in the course of the narrative, you know, um, it kind of almost sort of interrupting uh, at the end. Um, but um, anyway, okay, cool, uh, good. So let's. So this is a, a review of the episode. Any major changes made in this? I think we were looking at these. And I think these are still more or less the same. So review of what we spent a lot of our time talking about last time, the episodes, the plots of the episodes. Um, well, definitely everything that uh, we that's there for episodes one and two mm -hmm. is still pretty much uh, that way. Oh, actually, there are some changes. Um, that Marie has made to reflect our conversations, actually, okay. uh, particularly in episode two there, I, I noticed. Okay. Okay, let's see. So we've got uh, meeting Ale, right? We talked about the when mm -hmm. the timing of that is. Um, that I agree with. That seems to me important, that the first... That was a the... tough nut to crack. I'm here to tell you. I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that'll be good. That'll be good. I look forward to that. Um, Fingolfin. That's new. Isn't that new? Fingolfin visiting men? I don't remember talking about that last time. So the I, we can get into the specifics uh, when we actually talk about the episode. Yeah. But so basically in that episode, Fingolfin was to be kind of a, a C plot uh, expressing pride in the um, in the siege which um, turned out to not be that big of a story in and of okay. itself so right. we managed right. to come to in order to give screen time to both that and life 
uh, in Nargothrond for the House of Baor, we wound up kind of combining those two uh, plot lines. Right. Oh, right. And this is the replacement for. So we've we've preserved, we've kept Baor away from the seaside. Right. I see. Is yes. the other thing that we've done yes. here? Okay. Right. 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 Yeah, that I do remember, of course. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Good. Well, I. You know. Um, one thing that's really useful about having that as a B plot in episode two, episode one is not going to feature much of the sort of larger Fingolfin plot. That is like the larger state of things in the siege of, in the siege of Angband, right? Um, Aradel's going to be talking and thinking about it, but she doesn't know anything, right? So yeah. we're not going to get any kind of an update as to what things are doing or what, you know, all we're going to get from Aradel is that she doesn't know what's going on and what other people are planning and how to coordinate with them. Right. So, um, uh, so we're not going to get that there. We get Finrod, of course, in the A plot, but his focus is going to be on Beor. It'll come up some, but it's not going to. So bringing Fingolfin in and helping to orient everybody to um, basically the picture of where things are with the elves, I think, is a really good idea, especially since, again, as we look ahead, you know, we're not going to be really focused on that for a lot of the time. I mean, it's, you know, we're going to get some with the, with the Fingen and Hador subplot, right. Which, which is going to kind of culminate there with the rescue, um, in episode six, you know, with the escape. Um, but, uh, but it's not going to be, it's not really going to be until the latter part of the season when Fingolfin, you know, has his premonition and, and, uh, and, and, you know, makes his push. Um, it's not really going to be until then that really the, the elf plot, uh, you know, the larger elf plot, elf and Morgoth plot, uh, really kind of takes center stage in any way. Uh, so having a kind of refresher course in the status of that in, in, I mean, I know that that, you know, exposition in order to remind everybody what's happening is not a great B plot all by itself, but accomplishing that in the B plot, I think would definitely be, would definitely be something. Um, so good, good. Yeah. And Marie and Rhiannon are saying there will be some conversation in, in episode one about the siege, which I would expect, but, um, but it's good to, um, but again, especially Fingolfin being the, the sort of the primary mover of, you know, the, the one, in charge as it were of the siege. Um, I like bringing him in. I think that that's, uh, I think that's going to be good. Okay, cool. And then I know we were talking about episode nine, the dwarf story. There was, we were debating about that last time. Um, So where you guys are thinking is that we want to establish that. So like nobody can expect the dwarves to come in and fight during, during the battle, you know, during the Dagar Bragalach, um, like they will eventually later on in the near ninth, but they're not going to now. Um, and, uh, what I like about that is I like how that can be played as basically a thwarting of Aradel's hopes, right? You know, like we can see it helps to emphasize. So we've already had her being locked up essentially in non-Elmoth in episode seven. So establishing that, this whole relationship that she was establishing with Aeol is not panning out the way that she had wanted, and she's not able to do what she was hoping to do. And so, I mean, I think it would be kind of fun to play that B-plot in episode nine as a kind of a, like a what if, right? Like we could see, like, conceivably, if Aradel had been there, right? If Aradel had been able to do what she, maybe, 
maybe she could have convinced them, right? Maybe this, that story would be different. Um, but as it is, uh, they're not going to, you know, they're, they're not going to go for it. So if ale wasn't such a misanthrope, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Whoop. Oh, sorry. Accidentally scrolled through the entire thing there. Okay. All right. So that's good. Um, uh, yeah, excellent. Um, the rest of it, I think, right. We've got the gap then between nine and 10, right? So, which is primarily the Gondolin story, secondarily the double wedding, and uh, Bari here taking over, right? So we're sort of starting with the, I was going to say the next generation rose, kind of the last generation, right? Before the before the battle um, and Fingolfin's warning. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. As Marie was reminding me, you can see the years down the side. So there's a 24 year gap between episode nine and episode 10 there. Yes, I like that. And the gaps elsewhere are not, that huge looks like the biggest gap we get is between three and four. We got a 20 year gap there between episode three and episode four. Um, but that's good. That's good. I think that because we want to have time, time has elapsed for Ale and Arvel, right? You know, we, we kind of culminate their courtship and then we're like, 20 years later, let's check in and see how that marriage is going, right? So that that makes some good sense. Um, it's the beginning of the Sauron plot, so that, you know, uh, starts after that little gap. Um, the stockade battle introduces the second, uh, you know, having established firmly the House of Beor in those first three episodes, we move on. So that that's going to be an almost... The only place where that gap will even be visible uh, will be... Uh, I mean, immediately visible in episode four will be in the Ao and Aravel plot where it will be perfectly apt, where it'll be very appropriate. So that's good. Um, elsewhere, yeah, looks like we get 10 years between seven and, and eight, but that's after the council, right? So again, that sounds good. Right, Bef- after the council and before the move of the House of Beor. I like that a lot. Yeah. Now the pacing is good. I think that this is all, uh, this is all very, we get young Mygwen, right? Good. Young Mygwen, but you know, then he can be more grown up when we meet him again. Uh, uh, in episode eight, that's nice. That's nice. And then between 10 and nine, we have a gap there. Okay. Little gap. Nine years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's fine. Good. Good. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think that's, I think that's actual excellent pacing. Okay. So let's, uh, let's talk about the Dagor Bragalak. So walk me through the big picture outline. We've got some visuals here to help out with that. Uh, walk me through the shape of the, of the battle as you're proposing it here. Okay. So basically what we have is um, knowing that the battle was going to take place over two episodes, mm-hmm. the question then becomes mostly where to cut that. Right. And right. so in order to um, to basically cut it in such a way so that it's a, a to-be-continued mm-hmm. kind of plot, yes, um, rather than to have two separate individual episodes. If you're going to have two separate individual episodes, then possibly the best 
place to cut it would be before the the Fingolfin and Morgoth's duel. Mm-hmm. But that means that you have this duel taking place over an entire episode, and that yeah. just seemed it's like a very overkill. uneven split. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so having it cut in the middle so that um, so that there were certain plots that were unresolved, so that we have um, we have the audience coming into the action right where they left off, essentially, mm-hmm. um, gives us the ability to to do that. Uh, so what we start out with is the conflict is starting out in Dorthonian. Right. Um, this is where we're going to have the uh, the first um, the first impact of Glaurung on um, on the settlements of the Elves and on the men at Ladros. Uh, we're going to have a couple of major deaths, uh, which is, we're telling the audience anybody could die in this battle. Yeah. Right. Um, at the, when we were discussing this, I, I brought up like uh, like Avengers: Infinity War. Right. Right. Spoiler alert: a few <laughs> major characters die very quickly. Yes. And a couple of other major, seemingly invulnerable characters are defeated very quickly. Right. Right. Signaling to you that this is this is not going to go well. Right. Um, right. Right. Yeah. No. That's a really good. That's a really good model. It's it's, it's a really good illustration of of sort of sending that kind yeah. of message. I agree. Right. right. And and the idea that that Dorthonian could hold out all the way into later parts of the episode, so that um, that Angrod and Agnor's death could be more climactic. It doesn't. It, it it doesn't work. There's no way they'd be able to hold out that long. Yeah. Especially yeah. if they're the they're the initial contact point. Um, so while that's happening, the, um, the armies are also splitting off to the sides. Okay. So one of their biggest threats, as was evidenced by the Dagger Aglareb, is the Feanorians. Mm-hmm. So they have to deal with that. They have to right. keep them busy. Right. Another major threat is obviously Fingolfin, who is able to come through the mountains, uh, via Baradethel. Right. So what they do is they punch through at the Pass of Aglon. That's the the defeat of the. Right, of hang the on a second. I, I have I, I have your maps. Hang on a second. I'm forgetting. Yes. The maps. Yeah, yeah. That's let a good me, idea. Let me, let me let me let me bring up the maps here. Okay. Ooh. Here There's we go. So this is one. This is map this number is one. Initial loca- yeah. This is the initial locations. This is where everybody uh, is at. Um, during the opening salvo. So I know the key is at the bottom. It's going to be impossible to show this whole thing in yeah. one shot and still have it be legible. But yeah. uh, there you have the two. Um, you have obviously Fingolfins at Mithrim, um, have, having Fingen at Barrett Ethel. So that there's like a named person there that's in yep. charge. Yep. When we get there, it seemed like the a good move there. Uh, the house of hot is out on the plains. Out on the plains. Right. Right. Um, directly below them, you have Agnor and Angrod, um, mm-hmm. over on the mountains there, uh, all the way on the other side of Dorthonian, you have the house of Baor, Barra here yep. in Ladros. You have the array of the sons of Feanor there. Um, I could find 
nobody ever has ever apparently on the entire internet <laughs> made heraldry for each one of the sons of Feanor, which I find extremely odd. <laughs> so I just took the heraldry for Feanor and numbered them. <laughs> numbered them, yes. <laughs> um, and of course, you have um, uh, uh, Finrod at Nargothrond. Right. Um, so that's where everything, that's where all the pieces are set. So in the very next one, which should be on the next page, uh, that would be the, where things are essentially in Act uh, in Act Two. Okay. Okay. So by Act Two, um, not a ton has changed. Um, Fingolfin and um, and possibly Finrod will probably have received word by this point right. that something's happening. Uh, Mytheros will have received word that something's happening, and Barahir will have withdrawn from Ladros. An interesting thing that occurred to me as I was putting this together is that the House of Baor essentially has to evacuate behind the lines of the elves as they yes. pass. Yes. Which means that when Angrod and Agnor die, you know, it's we should take advantage of this situation Absolutely. and show that they are that they cannot withdraw because if they withdraw it leaves these refugees including Andreth uh-huh. open to attack. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And and if we can find a moment where it where it, it seems at where we can even connect Andreth and Agnor together one last time um in, in some way that will I feel like that will be really, really powerful and, and make their, like, yes, I want the shock value of their deaths. I right. think that's great. But having it also be for a reason, there's a reason why they can't get away. Absolutely. That's, I just, you're right that the the whole kind of tactical situation really suggests that. And it's, it's, I think that that's excellent. I mean, I think it's just a wonderful opportunity, even apart from the like double extra bonus of Ignor essentially sacrificing his life to save Andreth and her people. Like that's just like sugarcoating, right? The, the, yeah. the idea of having both Angrod and Ignor say, we can't, we can't withdraw, right? We can't withdraw yeah. or else we, you know, and, and so the way in which, and of course the beautiful symmetry of how, Bari here is going to save Finrod, right? You know, mm-hmm. and so the whole kind of ripple effect of this, you know, we're not um, obviously one risk, right? Is that we suggest by this that you know basically the the Adine are kind of a net loss, right? I mean, they're they're kind of uh, you know they're kind of um, uh, weighing down the Elvish cause here mm-hmm. by you know if if it hadn't been for them, Angrod and Ignor could have withdrawn and and could have lived to fight another day. Um, but again, the fact that we're going to have the kind of turnaround in Bara here, having right, been saved, right. is then going to save Finrod. Is going to you know that's going to balance <laughs> nicely. So um, another thing that's happening here, which isn't um, extremely obvious unless you have just seen the other image, is that in here, um, Kurifin uh, and Kelgorm have moved up past the Pass of Agwam. Right. Um, so what we've established thus far is that Kelgorm is essentially their cavalry. Right, um, the, the heavy cavalry guy for the yeah. Feanorians. So it makes sense that Mythros would send him and Kel- and Kurifin 
up north to flank the uh, the mountains there, right east of Ladros, to prevent um, Morgoth's armies from spilling out over in, in, on this flank. Right. Um, one thing that we talked about that we can and we can talk more about this another time as well is that this may be where the innovation of war riders appears mm -hmm. because what better to to help counteract um Kelgorm's heavy cavalry than yes. more about deploying heavy cavalry of his own right right you know right right which would have been which would certainly be unexpected um right yeah yeah and, and you know Kelgor it's, it's Kelgorm and Kurafin here right so right this is a move that it makes sense from Mithras's perspective. Like he's got a, but also I can easily imagine Kurufin and Kelegorm essentially saying, okay, look, Dorthonian's gone, right? Like, you know, they, right. they don't have a high opinion of Angrod and Ignor as captains compared right. to themselves, right? They think that the, you know, the Finarfinians are a little on the useless side and the men more so, right? So mm -hmm. they're going to be looking out, you know, like around the corner there, right? And be saying, yeah, okay, that we're just, we're not, we're not even going to go, right? We're going to like, let's just try to, we'll keep, because if, if they can sort of funnel the army of Morgoth into the hills, they can delay them, right? You know, it's right. the right. only danger uh, to the Sons of Feanor is if they come around the corner there from, from Dorthonian. Um, so yeah. essentially them kind of, Rather than coming in and trying to attack the flank and and uh, you know uh, come to the relief of the people of Dorthonian, they can kind of do yeah, they a. They want to keep Morgoth going this way, right? Right, right. Down into Dorthonian, um, which is a kind of a dead end, right? As far as his armies right. are concerned, yeah, because they're going to end up at Arad Gorgoroth. They're going to end up in Dungartheb. Um, as far as they know, nothing's been able to penetrate the Girdle of Melian. So that it, you know, they. Like there's nowhere to go there, right? Right, um, exactly. So that's that's definitely the safest place for them to try to funnel them, as long as they're willing to sacrifice everybody who lives in Dorthonian, which Kalgorm and Kurofin kind of would <laughs> be ready right. to do that, right? Yeah, and and like another thing about this, and you know, people could ask, well, why haven't the other sons of Feanor ridden to war here? Myros did not make all these fortresses for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. It's one thing to utilize your heavy cavalry for what it's for. Right. And get them out on the field. But you, if you've built all these fortresses, you want to use them. And, by, and the, advancing to... like your infantry out in front of all of your fortresses is, would be, would be almost like having light, archers who jump over a row of heavy infantry right while yeah. a charge is coming right it would be yeah. almost like that yeah yeah instead of like shooting over them like a normal rational person exactly would right. expect yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Um, no, agreed. I mean, that's yeah. No, that it makes all kinds of tactical sense. I mean, unless they thought they could, you know, unless they thought the like Morgoth was really not going to come that way at all, and they needed mm -hmm. to move in order, like they did in the Dagoraglareb, as you say, right? right? You know, right. they they moved uh, in order to come to the relief uh, there. Um, and and one thing that's going to come out in the in Fingolfin's big push when he talks to Mithros is Mithros has run the numbers. Like right. he's got a pretty good handle on what what Morgoth is capable of fielding as far as army size. 
Yeah. So he's he knows that he knows immediately that this is not going to go the same way as the Dagoraglor. Exactly. Maybe his brothers still think that's what it's going to be, but right. he, he knows that's not how it's going to go down. He knows they're going to have plenty to do in time at their strongholds and that they, you know, the most important right. thing is that they hold those. If their armies get trapped out in the field, um, then they're... Mm-hmm their strongholds can get overwhelmed. No, it makes all kinds of sense. But but again, I can see there's some some really great opportunity, right? Both for showing the differences between the points of view of, you know, I would say Kurufin and Keligorm, um, but also of, you know, Mithros and his people, right? There will certainly be some people who will say, isn't it time for us to, you know, pony up and go rescue folks like we did before in the Dagor Adler right. Right? right? This is the time for that, right? And have Mithros be like, yeah, no, this is this we're is not have, even started yet. We'll have plenty to do soon. Yeah, we're going to yeah. have our hands full over here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's going to start happening um, in the in the next act of that uh, of that episode. Right, so let me go um, back to the, the Gantt chart okay. here for a second, just to kind of track here. Yeah. So we've got, in the first two acts... Right, we've got mm-hmm. so Dorthonian's gone. Uh, on, on, by the end of this, by the end of the second act, yeah, yeah. Dorthonian will be toast. Okay, and um, we've got Kelgorm and Kurfin getting defeated at that same time as as Dorthonian is finishing. Right. Okay, so right. they're going to be driven right. back from the field as right. so the army does in fact come around. Right. So basically, they're going they're going to make contact in that act two. Um, they're going to get very quickly overwhelmed. Act three, we're going to have them back over, back through the pass of Aglon. Right, so they'll have um, retreated and have that yeah. pass. Right, and that pass will get taken at that point. Okay, quick question. Um, there are a couple individual pieces um, on mm-hmm. the enemy side, right, that we need to know. Right. Where's Glaurung? Where's Gothmog? Yeah, um, so I, I really, because I knew that there was a lot of discussion still surrounding yeah. that, yeah. I didn't I didn't want to mess with it too much as far as who was where, because ultimately it doesn't matter as far as the structure of the battle is concerned. Right. Um, right. Uh, but what I would say is that I would say that in the, in these initial two acts, right. Glaurung is in Dorthonian and then he, uh, he goes over to um, the, to Maglor's, uh, the, the gap of Maglor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for, for the, uh, the latter half of the battle. Okay. Okay. So, Glaurung is rampaging around Orthonian. Um, mm-hmm. The Balrogs, I mean, we're killing named characters, so we got to have Balrogs yeah. there, right? So we mm-hmm. have Balrogs yeah. taking the field and killing Angrod and Ignor. Um, or do we get like one each? Does Glaurung kill one and 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 the Balrog kills another one? Or I mean, I'd be I'd be fine with that. The um, the idea is mostly to have Glaurung around for shock value. Yeah. Um, having him engage in a one-on-one fight with an elf may not be a good use of his time, but right, right. that doesn't mean that we can't do that. I just so. want to make sure that we don't, it's just in thinking about the, the flow of the battle and the nature of the story, right? I want to, I want to be thinking mm-hmm. about Glaurung's, because this is, you know, Glaurung has had his reveal, but this is what mm-hmm. Glaurung was supposed to be saved for, yeah, right? This is Glaurung shining moment. in his full glory. Um, yeah. So I want to make, so I'm thinking like the kind of effect that Glaurung should have, right? Um, and I see what you mean about the one-on-one fight 
with an elf lord, right? Um, he's like what well, he's like the artillery, right? I mean, he's like the he's like right. the the siege the siege equipment. Yes, he's a siege weapon, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, the way I've been thinking about Glarong on the battlefield is essentially like close air support, right? Essentially, right? Um, he's he's very like as a matter of fact the so the text describes him as running out in front of the fires, yeah, uh, which. Yeah. Uh, thank you to Rhiannon for reminding me of that a, mm-hmm. a, a while ago. Um, but he is, but the fire is going faster than Balrogs. Yeah, right. So he's out ahead of all of that. Yes. So he's essentially, at least at speed, he's the fastest thing on the field. Yes. So having him just blasting through fortifications and yeah. uh, and, and lines of men both yeah is just like that's really his main job yeah i mean i think establishing glaurung as essentially something which it's like no one person could realistically hope to defeat right you know this is yeah. not a like it would take a real hero to, like no it's like it's not even possible like, yeah you know T- turing gets off on a technicality he caught him unawares it's not yeah. <laughs> right right and that's why turin does that right i mean again that should be clear um that should be clear and consistent. And I like the flow of how this works out with the Feanorians too. We'll come, we'll come back to that in a second. Okay. So Glaurung yeah. is plowing and he's, so he's burning, he's burning Darthonian to the ground. The Bal- and the Balrogs are coming in behind him. Right. So Glaurung yeah. is, or not, so sorry, Gothmog is there. Um, mm-hmm. So the force that comes around and first engage with Keligorm and Kurofin, that's where, if we do the ward cavalry thing, right. Because, mm-hmm. so again, Mithras has sent them out. Right. And my others right. have sent them out because they're the cavalry and that's what you do. Um, you know, they're sort of doing a, sort of a cavalry screen thing. Um, right. But they're expecting that Kelgorm and Kurafin are expecting to be able to hold out there. They're going to be surprised to be like something surprising right. has to happen in order for them to be overwhelmed. Um, so I like the idea of, of the the new innovation. Right. The, the other mm-hmm. innovation that he's done, uh, which is and especially since um, with who on there. Right. Kind of fun mm-hmm. to have the warg cavalry yeah. come in. Right. With who on yeah. there. Um, so I, you know, unfortunately, who on is only one dog. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so the warg cavalry comes in and they're forced to, re- you know, Kelgorm and uh, Kurofin are forced to retreat before that advance. Um, mm-hmm. uh and then we'll get Glaurung a little bit later. Okay. And so right. meanwhile, uh, now what's going on? We've just got them. Um, the the House of Hador, the guys from Hador have retreated yeah. from the yes. plane. So basically they fled from the, the plane of our gallon because it's, yeah. you know, hot. Um, and so they're going to be coming in kind of beat up. Uh, and they're going to encounter Fingen there in um, at Baradethel. Right. Uh, how how much time we're going to spend on that? I'm I'm not sure. Yeah. Again, the my main concern was to was to figure out where everybody needed to be, right. and what what battle encounters needed to be happening. Right. Um. Right. So. Okay. Good. No, that's good. I no, I I like it. Okay. So, but they're they're holding there. Um, Fingolfin was still inland, right at Mithrim. Right. When it began. Right. right. So um, at this point, him and, and uh, Finrod will be mobilizing their troops to get ready to, to move to the front. Right. Right. Okay. 
Okay. Um, that that makes a lot of sense. And Amros is still in his yurt down here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not too far He does have this. a role to play, but... Right, know, right. Yeah, we'll no, I there. like that. Um, okay, and Karanthir, you've got Karanthir. So Karanthir, Maglor, and 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 Mythros are the ones who are forming mm-hmm. the line, right? Right. So essentially, um, just to have Karanthir on screen so that he's not so that we're not just bringing him in right. when, when we get to keep Calvorn, Helvorn, um, somebody, I, I forget exactly whom on the boards ask, well, you know, why is he, why, why is he caught at his fortress, which is kind of back behind the lines? Why isn't he, uh, why hasn't he marched to the front? And the, I, but I realized that if he does march to the front, his army is going to get destroyed. We don't want that to happen quite yet. So having him be already be there, by Maglor uh, when this takes place okay. kind of solves that issue where he's able to be there and be on screen. Right. So he, he's, he's basically visiting Maglor at the time. Right. 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 So he's going to be like, well, I was going to say he's going to be grumpy, but he always is. Right. But anyway, he's going to be grumpy that he doesn't have his army. Right. His army is right. back at, at Helivorn. Yeah. And he, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good. That's good. Okay. Did you want to, uh, should I go to the next one? Yeah, I would go to the next one. Yeah, all right, I'll go to the next one. Okay. So this is essentially Act Three of. This is when it starts getting messy. You also also notice there are two banners that are just not there anymore. Right. Um, right. So one thing that I I do want to bring up is that while the um while the civilians of the House of Baor are probably traveling through the pass that runs south of um that that'll take them south of Gondolin. Right, right, the Pasavanach, right down there into right. Dimbar. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, here and presumably the bulk of his soldiers are going to be doing their best to cover their retreat while remaining hidden in the hills um, up north of uh, of Gondolin. So north of Gondolin. Okay. Right. So they're they're not making it overt that they're still there, uh, right. but they're mostly there to kind of bounce the the armies of orcs away from that general area. Okay. 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 And and just them being there and keeping orcs busy in that area will it will keep them from venturing further south. So they're the two things that they would be wanting to do, I would think, right, would first to be to make sure they cover the retreat of the rest of the refugees, obviously. It's mm-hmm. gonna be their yeah. first priority. But their secondary priority might be I I'm imagining even a, a an act of an act of faith, an act of Estel. You know, yeah. on uh, yeah. Barahir's part, like if right. we hold, right, we, if we find a place where we can hold, um, you know, we will have an opportunity, right? You know, the, the, right. the, the he's not going to believe that all of the elf lords have just been completely swept away. I mean, right. they will see that Angrod and Ignor have, and so some yeah. of the people, right, some of the of the House of Beor are going to be like. Everything is lost. Everybody else is dead. Let's just get the heck out of here, right? And Bari here would say, "No, let's stay over here on the flank. Let's hold this position. We can we can uh, defend mm-hmm. the pass to make sure that the um, you know the you know our families can escape. But also, we will be prepared because something is going to happen, right? The you know the other elf lords right. will come. In fact, it would it would be Finrod, right? He'd be like Finrod is going to come. They, they know Finrod, right? They they were, you know, he right. was the one who was their patron, right, for so long. So they'll be like Finrod is coming. We we need to be here to support him when he gets here. Right. Right. He's going to be coming. He's going to be coming to aid his brothers 
who are no longer there to help him. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, Fingolfin by this point has made it to um, Baradethel. Um, he so essentially he's gonna he's gonna get there and find Baradethel essentially besieged. Right. 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 Now he has his full army at his back now. So he makes a sortie out onto, onto Art Gallon because if he can, they're not just going to stay pinned up there in the North. They know that people need help. Right. So if he can cut off the armies and cut off the flow of, of, of soldiers and supplies from Thangoradrim. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to change the math. Right. 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 Um, What he doesn't really know is that their entire, like everything that's facing him is really just there to stall him. Right. Like he's not even he's not even their their primary target because Morgoth has absolutely no need to get into Hithlum. Right. 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 Like he if he can get through if they can get through the Pass of Aglon, Maglor's Gap and the Pass of Syrian, that gets them into the soft underbelly of Valeriand. Right. And they can deal with Fingolfin after that. Exactly. You know, so. And and so all they have to do is just try to separate Fingolfin from right from from right. the rest. Yeah. So he's going to be he's going to be making a sortie down onto the field of Argallon in uh, I believe in this act uh, that we're here in Act Three. Yep. Yeah. That's act where three. that's yep. start. Yep. Um, that by the end of the, the route episode, of Fingolfin is the is like the long defeat here. You know, in right, these yeah, two episodes because, <laughs> because it's by the end of of this episode, by the end of episode twelve, that offensive will have stalled right because all the soldiers that were involved in the attack on dorthonian and everybody that was that was needed to to punch through um the the pass of aglon um and most of the people who were involved in 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 taking out maglor's gap they're not needed down there anymore and now it now there could be this big push to shove fingolfin back up into his hole yeah um baron ethel yeah, no, I like that a lot. I mean, because, of course, like the narrative shape that seems to be invited, like what it looks like we are, might be doing there, right, is that especially if we cut, for, if we do Bari here first, right, we do Bari here and his like, you know, if we hold out, we'll be able to help. And then Fingolfin is like, let's charge in down in that direction. So it looks like here comes the Elf Lords right now. Things right. are going to turn around and... um, um so if we have kind of the turning point of that um, come at the end of the episode, right? So that it looks like we're building up towards perhaps a, you know, a dramatic victory by Fingolfin, you know, or some kind of accomplishment there by Fingolfin, but then to instead have that frustrated and, and Barahir's hope not be realized in that episode, right? Because Finrod doesn't make it up until. Right. Until uh, the, the episode 13. Episode yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes that makes that's that's good. I like that because, of course, he's the one who's furthest away anyhow. Um, right. So tell me a little bit more now about while this is happening Let's out here, here yeah. with the Fanorians. Yep. So by this point, um, Kurfin and Kelligorm have been pushed back through the Pass of Aglon. Um, mm-hmm. They are, you know, the fortifications there do not hold. Uh, presumably there's some troll trolls involved in that. Yeah. Um, but they're able to crack that pretty easily. Um, in the far east, we have uh, Maglor's Gap will be under attack uh, by this point. 
And I think, uh, but yeah, by the end of the episode, that has been that has been taken as well. Okay. So Magor's Gap so falls. The, right. So the okay. the initial attack on it will take place in this episode as the as uh, the pass of Aglon is is crack is is fully cracked through, mm-hmm. and um, and so by by this point on this map. Maglor and Caranthir will be engaged. Now, um, how this happens isn't super important, um, but word has to reach Amras that something is going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's kind of out there on the plains all alone, so either he decides on his own, hey, Caranthir's got this neat fortress that I've been to, maybe I take my people over there where they'll be safe, or he gets word from Caranthir from Mylos, hey, Caranthir's mm-hmm. not at Keep Hellborn. Right. Maybe go over there to kind of supervise things because there's nobody, like none of us are there to kind of right. handle right. that situation. Right. right. So but by now he's he has started moving and he will be have reached the River Gillian by by about now. We don't necessarily have to show that, but that's where he's at. Right. Okay. Um so my thought when we were talking about Gothmog and Glaurung, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we've done a lot of building up of the fortresses of the mm-hmm. Feanorians, right? Right. Um, uh, I think it would be kind of fun to have it look initially, right? Like they might hold, like, you know, the Pass of Aglon gets forced, but right. the rest of the line looks like it's mm-hmm. going to hold. Um, have Glaurung loop around and be yeah, the deciding factor that takes Magor's gap. gap. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that it's, you know, the, the, because Kelgrom and Kurofin, I, I would think at the, because again, they're the cavalry, right? So right. yes, they will have retreated. Yes. The enemy will have forced the path of Agawan, but that's not like a disaster, right? They still have their, right. the cavalry can still take it back fairly easy. They're right. still mobile, right? They're not in retreat. I mean, they're not like, routing in disarray right they've 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 had they've been forced to retreat they can regroup and charge back through right presumably kelgorm's own army is in is in that area and they're kind of covering right right like more slowly pulling back to kind of cover the cavalry to make sure that they don't get uh they don't get enveloped so i would think like from the feanorian perspective it would be like okay some unexpected things happen this isn't going really well but this is recoverable right we can we can still mm-hmm. deal with this situation and then glaurung comes in and blows up magor's gap and that's when yeah. things mm-hmm. then really get dodgy yeah and that would be that would be in the final act of uh of episode 12 so that would be that would be perfect for that to happen at that point right right Exactly. Yeah. So that that Which comes I think in where we are here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. In this last one. So now, um, right. So the gap has been forced. Glaurung just burst through there. Um, Kurafin and Kelgorm are now still in retreat down here because yeah. now they've got they've got word that the enemy is coming around behind them too. So now what right. do they do? So now they have to act as like the rear guard, essentially. So they're, right. they're moving they, to a position. If they engage the forces on the West there, the others can come around and get, get, you know, clamp them from behind. So they've got to withdraw further and be more careful. Yeah. Right. Right. Whereas like, they're not concerned that, that the people coming in through the pass of Aglon are going to it, like, they don't care either. They don't care. or They're not worried that they're going to get into Doriath. Right. 
Right. Yeah. You know. No, exactly. Both. Yeah. <laughs> Both at the same time. All of the above, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Meanwhile, Caranthor has uh, headed back to Keep Helivorn, um, probably with a, a small cadre of, of loyal, devoted followers, right? Because right. people are super devoted to Caranthor. Uh, Maglor <laughs> has turned to uh, to move towards Himri. Right. Okay. So he's retreating towards Mythros. Yeah. So we've got Maglor and Mythros on this like island of defense right. still standing um, mm-hmm. uh, at Himring, uh, with now the armies of Morgoth flowing down around both sides. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So in and, the West. So, and this is, okay. and that's, that's where we're coming. So, to, so, the turning point of Fingolfin's charge happens at the end of the episode and right. the breaking of right. the gap is happening at the same right. time there. Right. right. And presumably the assault on Himring has begun in earnest at this point. Right. Um, right. There was an open question of whether or not to have Glaurung um, move on Himring. And I am pretty, I'm pretty steadfastly against that. Um, because Himring's not going to fall. Yes, and it's not a it's it's not a good look for Glowing. Even if he like momentarily shows up and is like, I have better things to do. Right. Sorry, I got somewhere I got to be. Yeah, yeah. No, right. I, which yeah, is, which may be in the back of his mind. Like he may be aware of Himring and just be like, Yeah, I'm not going to waste my time on that. Yeah, yeah. But that but showing that does two things. One, it it reduces Glaurung, mm-hmm. right? Glaurung mm-hmm. loses cool points. Yep. Um also if Himring isn't facing it like if if we minimize the assault on Himring, it reduces the the impact of that. If we say Himring was not a was never a focus right. of this attack. Right. Then No, I mean we, I we lose them. Yeah, I don't want to lose coolness points for Mythros either. You know, him being the right. one who has held and and the. Right. Um, but I agree. I kind of, I, I don't want to bring the irresistible force up against the immovable object there. Right. Yeah, I mean, nothing good can happen if we do that. Uh, besides yeah. which, Gwion can be everywhere at once. I mean, he's accomplished right. what he wanted there, and and in in a sense, right? You could say the same thing about Mythros in Himring as we're saying about Fingolfin in Hithlum, right? I mean, right. who cares? You don't need to take Himling. You've got the passes around both sides, you know, yeah. so... Well, so... so... I, I I will give you a little bit of pushback on on that. Okay. The reason why you build castles is because obviously castles don't cover the entire landscape that you don't want people to come through, right? Um, but the reason why you build castles is because people can't control the land around the castle against you without having you hemmed in in the castle, right? Right. right. So unless they can commit a large enough force to besiege you, right? They ha- because you have people in the castle that you could come out at any time and get them from the back. So, right. so at some point they will have to deal with him ring. Oh, sure. No, at to, some point they're trying to deal with it. Now it's just, um, what I would say is if we want, if we want Glowering to destroy a full on fortress, I mean, keep Helivorn is right there. And it's that's just what I was going to suggest. Yeah. And we had Glowering. That's the zip code. We had Glowering in anyway. So, mm-hmm. I absolutely yep. agree. That's just what I was thinking. Um, no, when I was saying he doesn't really need to take Himring, what I mean is if the 
if the goal of this exercise, right, of the Dagor Bragalak is to break the siege and get the orc armies into, as you say, the soft underbelly of Beleriand, he's accomplished that. Without taking him ring, he's still accomplished that. Yeah. There are now yeah. the routes that they can get in. And, um, yeah. Well, well yeah. not taking him ring does have consequences. Um, right. The, the, the book says that he's able, that Mythos is able to retake the Pass of Aglon and reestablish, it, like he's able to reestablish their end of the siege yes. very quickly. Exactly. Which doesn't happen on the other side. In fact, they actually right. lose ground on the other side. Right, right, right. Yep. No, um, exactly. That's just what R- Rhiannon was saying, that when, when Mithros retakes Aglon, you sort of see the why taking Himring would have been a good <laughs> objective yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, for Morgoth. Absolutely. Um, but it doesn't happen. Um, so in the West, real quick here, yep. we see uh, Fingolfin, Fingin, and... Uh, presumably Galdor there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This is where their their forward momentum is stalled. They right. they reach a point where they're part of the way out across Argallon and they can't continue. So right. um, the next two acts will see them kind of backed up into a kind of a defensive posture and then finally back into Baradathlon where they came from. Right, um, right. The, so things being close to each other is usually code for they're in the same place, uh, but uh, Finrod is not, in fact, in the same place as Barry here there. Right. Um, Separated by a significant mountain range there. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. So Barry here still hiding out in the hills and um, making sure that that the uh, the Pass of Anak remains, uh, remains uh, clear uh, while waiting, hopefully impatiently, for... Uh, for Finrod mm-hmm. and or Fingolfin to arrive. Yes. Uh, Finrod at this point will have arrived at, uh, at Minas Tirith. Right. Um, and will be, uh, let's see, this is act four. So he is, yeah, he is right. engaging at this point with the, um, with the armies that again are just there to, to keep that gap stopped. Right. They're not even particularly like they're not ready to take um, Minas Tirith this time. Like they saw how that went last time. Right. Right. They're not ready. They're not prepared to do that at this point, but they definitely need to have that gap stopped. Um, Orodreth is still at Minas Tirith because he has like a small garrison that's there to 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 hold the the keep. Um, But he doesn't have a full out army that he can take out onto the field, which is what Finrod brings along. Right. And uh, and it makes I mean, tactically, it would seem to make sense for Morgoth's armies because that like the <clears throat> the way that things have gone. Right. Essentially, they can force the elves to take the offensive against them on the field. They don't have to attack the fortresses, th- right. not those fortresses in the West. Right. If if all they do, if if the elves decide to stay and man the defenses, they can just wait, wait until they've yeah. handled everything else and then gather all their forces and attack them at their leisure later on. Right. right. So Finrod and Oradreth, right, they would all see, you know, they're not going to do anything They're like they, like we have to attack them. We have no like unless we're going to do nothing at all. Right. Unless we're just going to let everybody else die. Um, right. The only way that we can contribute. You know, so it's just manning the walls of Minas Tirith isn't going to get it done. Right. 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 So. Um, so that gets us to the to the break between the, the two episodes. So at this point. Right. Um, the armies of Nargothron have engaged. 
with this kind of delaying force. Um, but keep in mind that while that's happening, Fingolfin's force has stalled, so there's already a critical mass on the field of Argallon at this point. Right. Where they can't – where – we know based on that information that their their attack isn't gonna Finrod is gonna know Finrod is gonna know that Fingolfin is fighting on the field in the north no no we we know we know that's what I'm saying right Right. but I'm just I'm wondering like should they know should they be thinking like because the urgency right like we've got to go to if we can come in and 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 force our way through here and attack the flank then you know we can combine with Fingolfin so there's a, the potential for back channel of communication going on along the back of Arid Wethrin, right? right. Um, where they can be getting information to Minas Tirith. So when Finrod gets to Minas Tirith, he there's no reason to to think that he can't find out at that point that Fingolfin has taken the field, right? Right. Um, that they're engaged in an offensive on Ard Gallant. He doesn't have to know how it's going. The status, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. But. There's no reason. There's no reason he can't have at least know that that's happened. It would certainly lend urgency to their having to. So the army. So Florian is saying that he feels like Minas Tirith should be besieged. I agree. Not attacked, yeah. but besieged. Right. right? So like right. basically, the, the 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 orcs would come in, and then they would they would dig in to the north of right. Minas Tirith. Right. Basically, right. just right. daring them to daring them to. So they're blocking the pass um, defensively. Right. 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 And then right. and Oradreth, as Florian also points out, he's also a hewer. You know, he's not going to be leading right. the charge anyway. Um, right. So um, but I, I want to yeah. make sure that it's like it's not just that he's a wimp. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like there's legitimate tactical reasons to yes. not go out there. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah so yeah. him ring by this point is absolutely under assault right it's an island Uh, yeah right um so it's under frontal assault um they haven't gotten to the point where they can come around from behind on them yet Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. when that happens it will truly be very bad right Uh, but basically what i would say is that as far as the attack on him ring at this point it's ominous but not like it's like everything is okay. Like they haven't broken anything significant yet. It's not desperate. Uh, one would yeah, imagine, yeah. right? Um, I don't know if you recall the 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 kind of hilltop that you guys had uh, had picked out for him. The location yeah. of him ring, right? Yeah. So one would assume there's a keep up on top of that. Yes. That's the, the star fort. Star keep, star fort. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, and there's probably an outer. There's probably one or more outer curtains that are yeah. involved in that uh that fortification none of that has been breached at this point yeah um the fact that the assault has begun is not a good look the audience knows that the pass of Aglon has been forced and by now they know that the gap of, of uh, gap. Maglor has also been forced yeah um, so they know that Mythos is going to be encircled relatively soon but we've also, despite what it, you know, the rate at which named characters were dying at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. um, might have led us to suspect things would go even worse than they are. Right. Yeah. I mean, after those first two deaths, nobody like all the sons of fan are still around. Right. There have been mm-hmm. defeats, yeah. um, but they're all still around. Yeah. Fingolfin has bogged down, but, 
you know, again, there's not been like a, you know, a miserable defeat of his armies. They've just not been able right. to move forward. So essentially what we're what we're looking at here is an is an un, very unresolved state. Right. As far as the the progress of the battle goes. Right. Right. Uh, things um, have not gone well, though. No, they have not gone well. They have not gone well. But before the end of uh, before the I'm looking here uh, at the the uh, uh, the Nargathon, the Nargathrondrim, which is a word I always have a hard time saying, um, uh, spanning the two episodes there. Um, what happens? Do, does Finrod comes up and he learns about what's happening. And so surely, yeah. you know, in the, la- in the, in the fourth act of uh, episode 12, we're doing the, like, we must attack Fingolfin's on the field. Like we've got, mm-hmm. and you know, Ardreth being like, it's a trap. That's just what they want us to do. Obviously, right. you know, and, yeah. um, uh, and Finrod being all like, I don't care. Are they going to attack before the end of the episode? You think? Well, yeah, I would say that they, that Finrod has to take the field. Like, yeah. like we we have to because he's got to get separated, right? So he has to he has to take the field. Um, what I would say is that by the end of episode twelve, he's driving headlong into what he can see are not very good odds at all. Okay, so uh, him him like setting out basically, right? Him right. setting out to attack, and right. Oradreth saying lots of ominous things, right? right. Like so, like him well, setting out or, despite we presume that from the tower of guard guard, he's had a pretty good view of what's going on out right. there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like even without information coming back to, even without a whole lot of information getting back to them, like he's got to know that Darthonian's fallen. Like it's not, there's a lot of very not great things that, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. that he knows about. At this absolutely. Point. Absolutely. So, so yeah, that'd be cool to, and so, so I'm again, I'm thinking about the end of the episode, right? The end of the mm-hmm. episode, episode 12, we've got, um, you know, we see Himling, Himring coming under assault. And so it's, mm-hmm. you know, and we've seen everything else falling. So it looks like things are going badly, right? We've got, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Glaurung burst through Magwar's Gap, right? So we've got the destruction of Magwar's Gap, right? Things on fire. Um, we've got Fingolfin stalling, right? And there's got like some kind of conversation, like somebody saying like, the, you know, this like, we can't. There's no way. It's not possible. We cannot force our way through this throng uh, here. You know, we were hoping to reach a breaking point, you know, to break through by now. Right. We've not done it. We're not going to do So right. the realization that they can't succeed right. happens. So Fingolfin's, well, despair with a lowercase d, right, happens yeah. there at the end of yeah. episode 12. Um, again, the the breaking of Magor's Gap, um, the beginning of the assault on Himring, which looks really bad, and then Finrod, like, putting on his helmet and saying, you know, Ordreth being like, don't do it, don't do it, you know, it's going to like, it, it, it's a trap, and Finrod being like, we must, uh, and putting on his helmet and preparing to go out with all signs pointing towards disaster, basically. Right. So we we don't, yeah, okay. And then we save the actual disaster for the beginning of the next episode. So that would be, right. that would right. be good. Okay. Yeah, cool. Now, meanwhile, what's 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 Bari here up to? Do we have Bar- anything from Bari here? Is he just waiting still? So I, I would say that we're, we're, we're not seeing Barry here mm-hmm. um, very much. I would say that we should see Barry here, um, what he's doing at least in, in up in the hills there. Um, but we're not gonna we're not gonna spend a lot of time with him 
uh, because we we kind of want the audience to not be thinking about him. Right, right. Um, we will have left him hoping, like, looking like he's almost hoping for rescue, right? Mm, Essentially. Yeah. Like, the Elf Lords will come uh, and mm-hmm. we'll be here to help. Uh, but, like, in the meanwhile, let's just forward up and wait. And then we leave them. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Okay, cool. We're ready to go into 13. Yeah, yeah. 13. Okay. So, so let me actually start the, with the the yeah, yeah, Gantt it. chart here, right? Okay, so we've got the assault on Himring is heating up, right? In the in yes. the in the first act, um, yeah. But we're still going to be so the the kind of tell me the difference between Act One and Act Two as far as right. the assault on Himring is concerned. Okay, so the Act Two is we're going to have to like repel this assault. It's going to have okay. to reached a point where the the army has backed off far enough from him ring that they're not an immediate threat right um we're gonna deal we're gonna we're definitely gonna deal with those guys in the in the next season but you know they're at this point they're not a a, a threat to to uh him ring itself okay in the first act there of episode 13 um, I feel like we have to start breaching some of the defenses. Yes. Like we have to, we have yes. to have works in the outer wards yeah. of, uh, it, I mean, all the arrows seem to be pointing in this direction, right? Agwan yeah. has fallen. Magwar falls. Yeah. It's inevitable, right? Mytheris yeah. is going to fall too. And the whole thing is going to crumble. That should be where we're building in act one, right? It's, it's looking, it's yeah. gotta be looking bad. Yeah. So, how we're going to resolve that, um, I, you know, like I have some thoughts on, but like right. Mythos could utilize the the sudden appearance of Maglor. Not that Maglor comes and relieves Himring or anything like right. that, but Mythos is able to use it sure. to his advantage or something like that. Um, but something which, and keep in mind that the majority of the the forces involved are are now faced up against Fingolfin on the other side. Right. Right. So, um, so having them throw back, back this assault, uh, possibly destroy the siege engines that, are, that are involved in trying to, to, to take him ring. There's a, there's a hundred different ways that that, that can go, right. but right. basically, um, act one, we're talking about a ramping up of the, of the tensions as far as the, as far as the assault on him ring goes, whereas in act two, we're going to have the, the resolution of that, which as, as people who have been long time, uh, long time adherence to this project will know, doesn't sound a lot like me to right. want to wrap up tensions, uh, halfway <laughs> through an episode, but I'm, I, I have a, I have a good reason for this and, yes. and we'll, we'll get to all that. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, during this time, we have the the taking of uh, Keep Helivorn. Um, you know, we're going to have Curifin arrive, Caranthir uh, arriving, arriving there at Keep Helivorn. Uh, the you know, if we have Glaurung there, it's not going to go great for him. Um, so, so we had we by... basically had Caranthir exit pursued by a dragon. At the, you know, yes. in, at the end of episode twelve, yes. right? Okay, yeah. right. And only, only to exit again, pursued by dragon <laughs> again. Right, right. Yeah. Um, by this point, the the way that the things are described, 
the orcs pretty much have the run of that plane between the river galleon and doriath mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i'm really just putting Kelegorm and, Ka- and Kurifin out of the way at this point because they're they're no longer combatants in this situation. Right. They're unable to do anything particularly helpful, and I want to make sure that I establish that they're not coming to help Mithros. Right, right. Um, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side, why? Um, By the way, no? why? Why? No, no I'm well, not. Um, I'm not objecting. Uh, I'm just saying. Like, they, basically, they've got to have a reason. I, yeah. yeah well, oh. Well, their reason is that is that the that the plane's completely overrun. Okay. Um, that's that's why they can't they can't punch through. Um, and they are unwilling to try to pull a Fingolfin and charge across like he's been charging across Ardgalin. Corifin's right. going right. to be like, yeah, no, there's no point. As far as they know, Himring's already taken. Right. You know. Right. They 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 have no reason to believe that they're they they will have holding. seen the orcs coming down the other side. They will know right. that um, the ones who have come through. Magor's gap right. so they'll know so yes if they assume that the entire line has been broken yeah that that yeah. would be understandable yeah they're not merely being cowardly the, right. and, and right. self-serving that's, that's what i want to i mean yes self-serving yeah. absolutely yeah. but um but 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 there has to be a reason we, we don't want them just to be yeah. like oh i didn't feel like fighting anymore so we just left yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that doesn't yeah. hold together so um, Amras is still on his way to keep Helleborn, and and isn't he going to in for a surprise when he gets there and finds a dragon? Um, yes, and finds a dragon. Yeah, yes. that's that's the worst thing to find when you're <laughs> hoping for refuge. Yes, <laughs> yes. So this doesn't look like Helleborn so, so as quite a secure map. spot as I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, on the other side of things, Fingolfin is now in full, in full retreat. Yeah. From from Art Gallen. Uh now the full weight of Morgoth's armies are starting to hit him. So yeah. and he's not a, like at this point they probably have found some sort of defensive posture that they can take, but they're not going to be they're not going to be able to hold. Right. Um, also in the south, a very very similar situation where um, where uh, what's the name Finrod. Is is basically like kind of playing t- uh, stopgap at this point because now he just wants to keep these keep these orcs from counterattacking and pushing through um, the uh, the pass of Syrian. What I'm thinking about how he gets separated is possibly that he he sees an opening along uh, along the mountains, which is of course a trap, right. and he decides to try to flank. The, he personally leads a charge to flank the orcs on that side and maybe reach Fingolfin that way. Um, but that's how he winds being personally cut off in defense of Sarek there. I mean, I think basically even just kind of like sort of generic heroic action. Or maybe on the other on side, actually. Now actually, on the other it. side would be better, I think. Cause, yeah. cause, so he's he has two motivations to burst through. Right. Mm-hmm. He's trying to burst because he wants to get to Fingolfin, but he also wants to try to, to check on the house of Bayard. See what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wants, and also. And his well, brothers. What about his brothers? He doesn't yeah. really know what happened to them. So. Exactly. So because like. Because it's very possible that that whole defensive lineup there was slaughtered to a man. We don't like, especially if they were if they were acting as uh, to cover the escape of the, the humans. Yes. Yes, exactly. So he doesn't know what's happened there. So he is going to be feel the desperate need to push through. So I, I kind of, um, I think that 
especially since the, w- there's some there's some distance between mm-hmm. Tulsa, you know, between Minas Tirith and the Fens of Serech, right? I mean, right. like, yeah. So he's gonna make some progress. So he, I mean, he's yes. gonna break through. The 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 orcs will have thrown. They they will have dug in, right? They will they will have made some mm-hmm. initial defenses. He'll right. he'll he'll succeed in breaking through there, uh, and push up to the north, and can even look like he's gonna mm-hmm. accomplish something, right? Well, during the during the Dagor Aglareb, the um, the orcs actually had a, a a whole line of earthworks along the north side of the Fens of Sarek. Like that, and which probably still exists. That, like, that's it, it. You know, they may have converted the elves may have converted it, so it's kind of facing mostly the other way. Right, right. But you know, the idea that him his his effort there would get stalled in that area makes perfect sense because we've already established that as kind of a right a a, a defensive uh, point there. Right, right. Um, okay, so so he's charging up, and he's gonna so he's gonna get. So his separation, there are two difficulties with his separation from his mm-hmm. troops. First is exactly why, like, how exactly, like, he can be, so well, he has to be, he has to be leading from the front. He has like to be leading has... from the front, right? And we can have some kind of, who's he fighting? Just orcs? Is there anybody? What's Gothmog up to? What's... I mean, yeah, I mean that's a perfectly, yeah. perfectly legitimate uh, place for a Balrog to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we are probably going to have established some uh, some named uh, Nargothron uh, characters by this point who right. we could who we, we could, could kill, kill somebody off by then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean, I'm it's... thinking like Finrod's separation from everybody else has to have like has to involve a significant. I mean, he's not going to be like alone. Right. I mean, he's not just right. I mean, it would have to be him in advance with a group, all of whom get killed, basically, except for him. Um, I mean, well, do do they all have to get killed, though? Well, not all to a man, necessarily. But right. I mean, but like, that's what I'm like if, if, if he's like down to him and a few bodyguards. Yes. Moving yes. off. Yeah, and... that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, But um, uh, but but. Yeah. Now, Rhiannon reminds us that Gwyndor's brother needs to get captured. Mm hmm. So this yeah. is where that's going to happen. Um, yeah, that's perfectly. Uh, so Gwyndor's brother, whom I guess we, we, I'd heard rumors of renaming Gwyndor's brother. I, I don't know. Anyway, there was there was talk about that. Well, whatever. Uh, so uh, uh, Gwilin, isn't it? Gwilin and Gwyndor. Anyway, whatever. Gwyndor's brother uh, is going to be can be one of uh, one of Fingolfin's or not fin- Finrod's captains and be with him here uh, and yep. get you know his capture can be part of this. Um, um, oh right, Gelmir. Right, there are two Gelmirs. Okay, right, mm-hmm. got it. Right, Gelmir, got it. Okay, anyway, so we've already got um, Glaurung way out at Helvorn, right? So he's yeah, completely yeah, yeah. on the opposite theater. So we can't have a Glaurung sighting here. Um, problem with Balrogs is uh, how, what's Bari here going to do about that? <laughs> right? right. I mean, well, yeah. Yeah. So even, so here's what I think would happen okay. there. So the Balrogs don't necessarily have to know that Finrod's right there. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so if they're mostly dealing with his army and defeating his army, right? Um, and you know, like they're not on the scene when when Barahir shows up. Okay. Um, and the amount of people that is cutting up what's left of Finrod's like inner circle of, of guards and whatnot is not able to hold up against, against Baron here. Right. Um, you know, and then all, all Baron here has to do is kind of sneak Finrod back through the hills so that he can get, you know, back behind his own lines. Would it be if Barahir, if the intervention of Barahir and his men was able to save so the suggestion that who is making the suggestion? Um, oh yeah, Florian was suggesting if if what happens, what basically suggesting what happens if if it's not a question of Finrod being actually separate, like himself personally separated from his whole army. What if his ad, whole advance army that he's been pushing through is surrounded by orcs? Right there's as he points out, plenty of orcs to do this, mm. right? So basically it comes to a point where Finrod is like, and now we're toast, right? We can make a good fight of it, but eventually we're all going to die here, right? And that's when Barahir... So what Barahir does is basically break the ring surrounding mm. Fin and enable his entire the rem remnant of his whole army to escape. That mm. still counts as rescuing Finrod, right. even if it's not right. him isolated personally, right, right. from everybody and else. That, and that... Yeah, I mean, tactically, that sound, um, you know, the I would not be opposed to finding a way to preserve the the sort of one on one. Story. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That would it, that I feel like is optimal. But yeah. yeah, I would I would consider that that version to be a a an acceptable fallback position right <laughs> or even I mean, there's some kind of some kind of combination i mean if if finrod mm. alone escapes and all of his army is killed that would be unfortunate it right? would be terrible <laughs> we need to save some of the god some of the yeah. not the gondolindrum some of the nargathrondrim uh to die later like we we, we, right. we yeah. this is not the day when nargathron gets wiped out so um yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean that's so that's one of the factors I think, um, and again it's it's hard to see how he's going to be separated that completely from his whole army, so that his his army like why is nobody from his army able to come rescue him? The, you know, the only he, thing that I have any concerns about is the fact that if his entire army is encircled in the fens of Sarek, that's essentially the exact same position that they were in in the Dagger Aglareb, and I feel like fin, Finrod. While he's not the tactical genius of the right. of the group, <laughs> might possibly have learned that lesson. The same trap twice. <laughs> yes. So, so there's that. We again, it doesn't even have to be the fens of Sarek. Like it, we can find another another place for this to happen in that in, in that kind of corridor there. It's it's nothing in the world, and I think that we'll be able to figure definitely figure something out. Though you know, if we do though, have it happen in the. What I like about that is that then the last stand of the men of Dor Loman in the Fens of Sarek, like that's the third battle mm. in the Fens of Sarek, right? So yeah. for 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 this to happen, you know, and basically be like, great, <laughs> the bloody Fens of Sarek again, and yeah. uh, and the men of Dor Loman say, 
yeah, no, we'll 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 stand here. So like the fans of Sarah are always associated with, you know, disaster uh, and slaughter, and that were so that basically the fans of Sarah in the end are are you know commemorated by the um you know by the hill of the slain, right? So that's yeah. you know sort of the final, uh, well not symbol of, but kind of you know landmark of the fans of Sarek. Um So yeah, I kind of I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Now Florian is saying, of course, the difference, uh, with the parallel to the to the, to the Dagor Aglareb is that this time, instead of the Feanorians coming out of the out of Dorthonian to rescue them, more orcs come out of Dorthonian to surround them. Right. So it looks mm-hmm. like, um, because you could say Nick that he's falling into the same tactical trap that he fell into the last time, or you could say. It looks like it's going in the same direction it did last time, right? Actually, you know what? If if the orcs' defensive line is at the fence of Sarek at the beginning, and like we can just hang a lampshade on that in order to conceive, look, like, we like we just went through this, like right. we this right. just happened. Right. Right. Maybe we don't fall into the same exact and Finrod is like what do you want me to do exactly yes yes we can't not attack like just you know yeah yeah, as we've got to even even at the risk and and then even though hey like it did it turned out last time um (laughs) you know um yeah no i I, yeah i I like that i like that actually um and then of course we do get the uh you know barry here coming down out of the hills behind the orcs who come out of the hills so um yeah yeah. No, I, I Florian, I really like that idea of, um, you know, the sort of anti-parallel of the Dagor Aglareb, right? Instead of the Feanorians coming down to save the day, you have, uh, I mean, maybe you have, we still have, uh, what's his face? We still have Bulldog, right? We, we could, we could have mm-hmm. Bulldog here. Yeah. What if yeah. it's Bulldog? Bulldog is a nice, uh, a nice kind of expendable, um, kind of ex- expendable villain uh, expendable, not in the sense that we need to kill him off, but in the sense of like, he's not a complete juggernaut. Like he's, he's a significant force, but he's not yeah. undefeatable. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Balrogs can kill uh Galdor's brother. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have the Balrogs up, up in the North. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, going to be up, if, up with Fingolfin. If the Balrogs show up and that's part of what drives Fingolfin back. Retreat. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Absolutely. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, so we have the Balrogs focused up in the north, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Rhiannon points out that Gold, uh, Bulldog was the one in command in the Dagor Aglareb, so this would be his revenge, right? Battle of the Fens of Sarek Part 2, this time when Bulldog wins, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, right, and we've got Gondor, Galdor's brother, dying up there, so he can be... Uh, he can, we can feed him to the Balrog in the north. The sacrificial, absolutely, Balrog yeah. rule lamb. Yeah, exactly. No problem. No problem. Okay, good. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Um, and they've already killed named characters in this battle, so uh, yeah. like the We're fact set. that they're killing a relatively minor character. No, it's just gravy at this point. They've already killed uh, Angrod and Ignor, so that's yeah, that's 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 fine. And um, uh. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I, 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 Gelmir. Gwyndor's brother, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Bulldog can 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 take him. Because Bulldog yeah. is going to survive this battle. He's he not can, dying like, grab yet. him by the head and drag him off. That'll be... Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. 
look, we can make that look fairly horrible right in front of Gwyndor, right? Gwyndor's right there, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Sure. Sure. I like that. Um, and then, so Finrod should be involved in some kind of, um, some kind of heroic action, right? When he's, mm-hmm. So I, I, I agree. I do think it would be nice to have the coming of Bari here be both a kind of uh, enabling his army, him to withdraw his army. Because, um, again, mm-hmm. we need to we need to save uh, Nargothrond elves to die later. Um, and um, but also personally, still personally rescuing yep. Fingolfin. Um, mm-hmm. Bulldog can be like a. a uh, Gelmir or Gwilin or whatever we're going to name him um, or rename him uh, he can um, I mean he can be there with Fingal- like he, his being taken can be right at you know near the climax of when it looks like you know Finrod himself is going to be taken next and uh, uh, and uh, that can be when you know when Barahir comes in so Barahir doesn't come in in time to re- to save to prevent that but okay Okay, that works. Um, uh, meanwhile, we've got. Um, we're back. Let me go back to the Gantt chart here. Uh, so we've. So, so basically, what would happen there the is that, that yep. the so we will get no action for the defeat of the Nar- Nargothondrim. Yes. It is a really hard word in to say, the, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, in episode 12 we'll just have the lead up to that yes we lead up to so, it exactly exactly yeah right the so, ominous finrod decision to attack is what right. the culmination there so episode three will open with not necessarily open with that but yeah. it'll be in the opening act and basically the stuff that's the rescue of finrod then just moves down to be on the same line with that because it's essentially the same event now right right um right yeah. So we've got yeah. the initially that... successful, but then turning towards disastrous attack of Finrod, mm-hmm. and then that turning right. point there. Yeah, sure, sure. Right, right. Uh, the the gifting of the ring would happen in Act Three, and you notice there's nothing else happening there. Yeah. This is what I was alluding to earlier. Right, because Act Two. So you're wrapping up. You're wrapping up the Eastern Front in Act Two. Right. Right. So basically, we're doing the same thing that we did with the entire season in episode 11 mm-hmm. here. Okay. Okay. So what we're doing here is this is the deep breath before the plunge. Right. Right. We get to check in with with everybody involved. Um, by this point, Keep Helivorn has been taken. Amras has shown up at Keep Helivorn. Only to find uh, the dragon there. Finding the dragon there. Uh, Karen Thier escaping through a postern door or something like that. And Amroth, you know, does the whole, you know, follow me if you want to live kind of routine. And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they're going to escape to, um, to Amun Arab uh, eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the assault on Himring has been repulsed. Uh, Fingolfin is in Baradethel. Uh, the the soldiers of Nargothron have ret- have essentially retreated to Minas Tirith, so there's kind of a state of equilibrium across across the entire front at this point, <clears throat> right? That's this map, right? Uh, right. More or less, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, again, this is the deep breath before the plunge. This is where we kind of like 
you know, count our dead. Yeah. Reestablish that this is this is the way it is. This is the the battle is over. Right. The new normal yeah. has begun. Yes. Right. They're yeah. not going to. There's not going to be a last a last minute takedown of the armies of Morgoth. Yes. The realization um, that the battle is over, and the good guys lost. There's not going to be a last second. Right. You know, like happened in the Dagor Aglareb. There's no one's riding in right. to save anybody. This is right. the smoking ruin of Northern Beleriand. Right, right. Um, so this is where Fingolfin is going to have his final conversation with Fingon, which is going to pay off a fantastic thing that came out of episode two ah, that nice. I can't wait to talk to you about. Good. Yeah, yeah. Look forward to that. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm so happy. I was so worried about episode two. Um, I'm so a little worried about a few things, but I'm I'm much happier than I was. Um, this is this is going to set up Fingolfin's despair and rage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a critical part of the Fey attitude that cannot be overstated. Um, it's not merely his his despair that overcomes him. Right. It's right. also kind of the this anger that builds up in him. <clears throat> you know, in addition to all the other groundwork that we're that we're laying that's leading up to this. Yeah. But he he has had it up to here with this guy. And it's and his desperate resolution to try to still accomplish right. the plan solo, right? Yeah, right. Um, this is where also we should be doing our best to get some of the bad guys back up into uh, the Thangorodrim yeah, area. Yeah. yeah, we definitely want Sauron to be able to witness what's happening there, uh, wherever he's at during the battle. We definitely want to make sure that he's that he's back in Thangorodrim for for this moment. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Having having Gothmog available to to be present and witness this also kind of it would be kind of great too um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because this is this is literally going to attack his confidence yeah in the only his single-minded only thing that he really believes in right is right. this is going to attack that right, right. um mm-hmm. which is going to pay dividends when we get to the fall of gondolin because yes. his entire everything that he's about is just going to fall apart right there. Right. Um, even though Gondolin is taken, he's not going to make it. Right. Right. He'll buy a lousy elf of all things. <laughs> With no buy arms. Yes. Yeah. 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 Helmet. yeah. <laughs> um, I still don't know how that's going to work, but sure. That'd be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Come on. There is no better death that anyone in the history of Tolkien's fiction dies than Ecthelion of the Fountain in the Book of Lost Tales Fall of Gondolin. It is the best thing ever, ever, just ever. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Speaking of awesome deaths, um, so a lot of Act 4 is going to wind up getting... So we're going to have obviously the approach to Thangorodrim, right? At the in the opening of of Act Four, where you know Fingolfin rides out, 
yep. across our gallon and nobody wants to go anywhere near him. And this is a point which I think that it's okay to kind of show his onset in a way that the the you know, the slow and creeping flame is not because we're going to be able to kind of call on the the stuff that we've built up from Orame back in uh yep back yep. in season season 1 yep. and use a lot of that same imagery that we saw at the you know the the war to begin all wars yep. um as he rides across the plain uh, cuz we're not going to see a whole lot like we're going like it's just it's going to be so bright and so elemental in a way that we're not going to really be aware of how much space he's eating up yeah yeah right yeah so yes he's he's riding you know 100 miles and change it's okay <laughs> over the sports over the space of a minute and a half on <laughs> absolutely. screen time absolutely it's yep. fine gotta have it um, yeah. <laughs> gotta have it um one thing and i cannot believe that i didn't realize this before about the seven the seven wounds that he lays on morgoth it's super unspecific as to how that happens like i've had in my brain this whole time the the wound they delivers to his foot but we can pull off some like superhero level like minor superhero level yep totally like captain america level captain america level is perfect yes right Agreed. stuff where he's like you know where he's going to do things that have the guns going i mean maybe you know <laughs> right right exactly um yeah no absolutely uh uh morgoth interesting i so i was just uh, last night i was doing uh, my penultimate class on Morgoth's Ring, and I was mm -hmm. discussing one of the two essays near the end in Myth Transformed in Morgoth's Ring, when Tolkien talks most about Morgoth and what was going on with Morgoth at this time. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, I think it shows a shift from some of Tolkien's earlier thinking. At that point, he compares the size... When he talks about the duel with Fingolfin, he compares Morgoth's size to an ogre. Mm -hmm. so, like Ogre Morgoth, he calls him. Um, in other words, it's not like Morgoth is not doesn't have to be like 30 feet tall, you right. know, during the duel, such that Finrod can, or sorry, Fingolfin can only reach his foot, right, in order to stab right. him. Um, yeah. It would be fine to have him be twice as tall as Fingolfin, mm. for instance. Um, yeah. Uh, which, so. gives, which gives more scope for... Mm -hmm. Captain America-esque levels of heroics mm. and, you know, he, yeah. he can reach like, his vitals, like, you know? Yeah. Well, and and of the feats of, of film Legolas, the fight with the, um, with the troll in the first one seemed to me the most plausible. Um, sure. That's not a high bar, always... but I, I hear you. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> it's true that the they hadn't quite figured out how to get the CGI right so that you know like his legs look like actual an actual person's legs when he's running up the chain and stuff like right, that right right what that level of acrobatics I feel is mm -hmm. totally acceptable for Fingolfin here um, yes. like I mean sure we don't want Yoda jumping around Count Dooku right. or anything like that right like right. that's 
too far. Um, too far. But, Agreed. Um, I think that we can definitely get like having him like vault vault off of Grand after it hits the ground and and get a shot up in the sh- the the shoulder or chest region on Mora. That mm-hmm. seems totally plausible. Totally plausible. Totally plausible. Yeah, and we'll think about when we get to the, discussing that episode, we can mm-hmm. think more in detail about the fight because yeah. we'd want the seven wounds. I mean, seven wounds, right? There needs to be some like symbolic significance. Like there, there needs. Yeah. To, I mean, these, these can't just be random gashes, right? There needs to be mm-hmm. some. You know, we need to be thoughtful about because these are wounds that Morgoth is going to have for the rest of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so it's also important to know that Morgoth doesn't touch him the entire time that that's yes. happening. Yes, exactly. Um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, this it's uh, it's there's a lot, I think, that can be done yeah. there um, to make that fight an interesting fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. With some real suspense in it, mm-hmm. especially yep. if we're setting it up with the kind of this, the the prophecy, you know, that Fingolfin mm-hmm. had, like there's, there's other reason to think like, Holy cow, this could, this really could be it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, that's, um, that's excellent. I, uh, I, I love it. Um, I think his, the only foot shot should be at the end you know, when he's pinned, you know, that's the foot mm-hmm. shot where it makes, uh, Melkor limp for the rest of his life. Um, okay, great. I think that that all seems to me to work really well. So tell me, where are we leaving Mithros? We're leaving Mithros. So Mithros repels. So we have a, not a happy ending, but it's the only exchange that ends well. Yes. Apart from Barahir's yeah. rescue, right. right? That's a success. Right. But that's, so, right. like so the, the only, the only positive, the, the, the only victory is Mithros's victory, basically. Right. So the, yeah, the, the only people who come out of this looking particularly good are Barahir, Mm-hmm. Um, and Baron's right here, there with him. So, right. you know, by yeah, Baron and, and, and Barra here. Yep. Um, Fingolfin, I feel like is going to like, yes, he, he dies, of, you know, he dies, but he accomplishes things. Yes. He's heroic. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a, that's a moral victory. Definitely. Right? Definitely. And, and the, um, and Mytheros' success at Himring uh, is a, a victory as far as he's concerned. Yeah. But everybody else is is not looking too good. N- you know, nobody else has succeeded at what they were right. doing. Right, right, exactly, exactly. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and and it's nice to have you know, in some ways, the victory or non defeat at Himring uh, is. Uh, it's kind of it does you know it's it breaks the uniformity right not everybody loses mm-hmm. you know it's not that right. uh, um uh it does sort of show this was a defeat but not a complete right. collapse you know it's, yeah. in other words just as we were taught we've been thinking between last season and this how do we create clear distinctions between the dagor Aglareb and the dagor bragalak you know how do we how do we establish Mm. the effects of those battles and how they have similarly, we want to be thinking about the difference between the Dagor Bragalach and the near knife. Right. One thing I think would be, I just thought of this would be interesting is to have a moment between Maglor and Mithros that mirrors 
the moment between Fingolfin and Mytheros at the Kinslaying. So uh, if you recall, the Kinslaying, they were coming up opposite sides of the arch. They meet in the middle. And Fingolfin, like the weight of what's happened hits Fingolfin like a truck. Right. And right. Mytheros like reaches Fingolfin and he's kind of expecting high fives all around. Right. But that's not what happens. Right. So having that happen with with Mag between Maglor and Mytheros, where Maglor is excited because they won and right. Mytheros is aware enough to know that if if they if Himmering almost fell then things have gone horribly wrong, you yes. know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and even if they, I mean, as he's going to recover out there, um, mm-hmm. but so what? Like when they were at full strength the first time, they didn't stop them, right? Right. right. What good is reestablishing the same lines under these totally new circumstances in which, right. uh, you know, especially once, uh, once Minas Tirith falls. And so therefore right. the orcs can just come around the other side however they want. Um, right. Uh, yeah, but that's that's a season six issue, obviously. Yep, but. absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, that works. I think that I think that's I think that's really excellent. And we so where we end Finrod, we end with Finrod and Bari here in the ring, right? That's the end yeah. of the Finrod. So basically, I would say that we we definitely want to set up the fact that Barrier has gone off with his guys to back up into the hills. Back into Dorthonian. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, we can, Finrod we can would invite out. him back, right? Finrod would yeah. say, you know, stay yeah. with me. And, he, and so Barahir, why is Barahir going to go back? Well, I would say that Barahir, first thing, like they've they've been there and done that as far as living in Nargothrond mm-hmm. at this point, and that's not workable for them. Right. Um, also, there's probably a lot of his people that got, you know, that got separated, like it, the... The ref, the flight of the refugees doesn't have to have been in like a neat and orderly thing, right? Right, right. Um, oh, by the way, the encounter between Finrod and Andreth uh, could either happen at the tail end of Act Three or in Act Four, between the point where Fingolfin has reached Thangorodrim and Morgoth, mm-hmm. and the fight, the fight proper actually starts. Yeah, I forgot to mention that before. Anyway. Um, so having him out so having Barry here out on the hills, Finrod's um probably stopping at Minas Tirith on his way through, but he's gonna he's gonna um well actually I guess he can't viably leave his arm like bring retreat his entire army back and just leave Minas Tirith with a small garrison anymore. That would not be a um, good plan. It would seem. Yeah. But we, that's again. That's a season. That's, that's a season six problem. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure right. it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fingon and Galdor are there at Baradethel, um, with what's left of their armies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and um. Karen Thier and Amras have have retreated to Amon Arab, where they make contact with the Green Elves. There, we don't have to explain a lot there, but like we've we've been there, we've seen the yeah, fortifications yeah. around yeah. the top of of Amon Arab that Mablung set up hundreds of years ago. Right, right, uh, right. So that's a defensible point from which they can they can then move forward and and handle the Orcish incursion in in the east there. Right, right. So. Okay, so two last Dagor Bragalot questions, then we'll just tie up a couple loose ends quick. 
before we move on, before we end. Um, uh, first, one minor character whom I'd always kind of vaguely fantasized that we'd be able to do a little bit more with her story, but it's hard to find room in this, even though we're expanding so much. Baron's mom, right? Leading mm-hmm. the refugees. Emil Deer. Yeah. Emil Deer, yeah. Emil Deer, the man-hearted. Yeah, her. Um, I, 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 that, like, it gets a mention. Like, it's one of those things that gets, like, one sentence, which, mm-hmm. you know, when I read through this section, I'm like, oh, like, we should do something cool with that. It's film film, but I don't know how, where, like there's no time to put that in. Uh, so anyway, so that's just one note. We don't have to resolve mm-hmm. that now. I just want to kind of, as we're working through outlines and stuff, just to sort of throw that out. Um, something to show what Baron's mom accomplishes with the refugees would be cool. Right. Secondly, mm-hmm. um, uh, question, I think it was maybe Florian asked it much earlier on Florian or Steven. I'm not sure which, um, was asking, uh, do the Holodin pitch in at any point? Do we get anything from the people of Hala if they just stay at home in Bretho? Well, they've made it pretty clear that they're not interested in right. um, in fighting alongside the owls. They're... The inter- I mean, the double wedding establishes them as connected to the others, right? right. So they're not going to be... Right. It's not It's not they're going to not care what happens. Right. Um, but... I would say that it it, it might just be a, an issue of focus versus big picture. Um, they're focused on making sure that that Brethel is that the farce of Brethel stay safe, yeah. Um, rather than marching to help other people defend other lands that they've never seen before, you know. Um, I don't know whether or not we're going to have any time to address this. I, I feel like if we do address it, it'll be when we uh, go, when we kind of backtrack to Hurin and Hur, uh, right. because we're going to, we're going to see what was happening in Brethel at that time. Right. Right. Um, yeah, well, the one thing that occurs to me as at least a very plausible explanation for why the Haladin don't come up is communication. They're cut off. Right, they're isolated. Yeah. They don't, they don't, you know. So it's challenging enough well, Narg- to invent. Finrod's going to pass right by. He's going to pass on his by way. them, but he's going to be in an awful hurry when he passes yeah, by them, right? So I mean, uh, that they don't really that they're not really tracking with what's going on and don't yeah. keep up in time to be able to participate. Um, I mean, if they're if if they've kind of been tasked with keeping some of the um some of the younger people of other houses safe like right. Hur and Hurin, for example right um and right. if other people are coming to them like they have a role that they're playing in the battle they're not up at the front and they right. it, it's not so important to note that they don't really have soldiers right they don't have they don't an have army any... exactly yeah. right they like they're they're hunters and 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 woodsmen and if and will be to any orcs that are going to come anywhere near Brethel, right? But acting out on the open field, it's not something that they're they're equipped or prepared to do. Like and Finrod himself has, could perceive that, right? And the yeah. House of uh, of Bear has been has been preparing for that 
yes. by this point. For, for decades. Um, the House yes. of Hador is absolutely prepared to be, you know, out on the field. Yep. Yep. The, the House of uh, of Haleth just, that's not their. Yes. That's not their bag. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, that makes. And they're also the smallest, too. I mean, there's there's not all that many of them. Um uh, compared to, certainly compared to the House of Hador. So, um, yeah. Okay. All right. No, that, 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 that works for me. Um, we could even have, there could be even some sort of frustration, like the isolationist tendencies of the Haladin could manifest, not even in like unwillingness to go forth and fight, but even just like slowness to respond, right? They're not, you know, let's yeah. leap up, jump into the saddle and ride off to rescue people is not what they do. Right. So even, mm. you know, and yeah. li- living in the woods, they don't exactly have, have like a thriving horse. Yeah. culture. <laughs> exactly. either, so right. Yeah. They, yeah. No. They're, uh, yeah. They're, they're not going to be able to get there anytime, anytime soon, either way. And, right. and, and again, Finrod's not going to wait have, for them. Finrod's right. not and gonna, they, yeah. they probably don't have armor. Like not right. having armor is a huge, huge deal. Right. You know, Absolutely. if you don't have any armor, they're they're not going up to the to the battlefield to yeah. fight. Yeah. No, that that all and, that all makes sense. And it and it helps to establish um <clears throat> that you know, them it sets up things for later, you know, to make it clear mm-hmm. sort of where they are and what their contributions are. So um okay. Yeah, good. Ooh, Marie said Emildir could be responsible for bringing Narsil out of Dorthonian. Mm-hmm. We do need to get Narsil out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So having, so if when Barahir makes contact with, um, with Finrod and, and they, they have a conversation, it can be made clear that Barrier has sent scouts up into Dorthonian, up into where Ignor and, and Angbrod were, and yes. he can, he can convey the news of Finrod's brother's deaths. Um, and then, so it's not that weird that, and that they have the, that they have, um, uh, wow, Narsil, Narsil yeah. um, along with the other refugees, because it would have been handed off, um, via those scouts. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We can figure it out that way, but yeah, it's true. We do have to, we do have to keep an eye on our heirlooms, make sure that the ones that escape need to escape. Uh, besides, um, ha- having both Narsil and the Ring of Bar here passing into the, you know, sort of possession of the House of Bayor here at one time is kind of nice, actually. Mm. Um, uh, that's. Uh... And if if Andreth and Fing and Finrod are having their final conference conversation. And Emmetheer comes up with Narsil and offers it to to Finrod because it's his brother's sword, and then Finrod turns around and gives it to to Andreth. I feel like that's a that's a pretty powerful. That's pretty cool. Uh, that's pretty statement cool. as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. Cool. Cool. Excellent. So that's um, uh, that's good. Well, let's just so just uh, kind of closing the loop on a couple of these questions from last time. Um, I had said, pick an episode where Huan is doing something awesome in battle uh, and an elf we like can prophesy about him. And so the conclusion was the best place to include him in season five is season four. Um, I'm cool with that. We can, we can retcon season four. Uh, so Kelgorm and Fingen are there um, before with Glaurung right there. They're, you know, while they're hunting for Glaurung. 
Yeah, he's he's watching them from across a chasm. They're not aware that he's watching them, so it makes that was one of the big concerns, at least for me, was the was the idea that this prophecy would be somehow overheard right. by enemy combatants while not engaged in combat. You right. know, like that's right. that's a problem. Um, Glaurung is a fun example of that because then if if Glaurung is basically the authority for this. This is not just like some random orc overheard it and spread a rumor, mm -hmm. right? This is, right. you know, Glaurung would be able to state this with some authority when he returned. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, okay. I like that. And um, I, uh, I, I, I totally agree. Draugluin can be with the, uh, the warg riding anti-cavalry, right? Of Morgoth over there, driving them back. So, um, uh, an, an almost confrontation between Huan and Draugluin would be cool uh, there, especially if we build it up, right? I mean, everybody knows Draugluin is the greatest wolf, right? He is the chief of all of the werewolves. Um, we've known him for several seasons now. Um, so if we have the prophecy about Huan and the greatest wolf who ever lived, that's obviously Draugluin, right? I mean... You'd, everyone's got to think it's got to be Drogluin, especially if we have them almost fight and it looks like, oh no, Huan's going to face the greatest wolf ever mm -hmm. and he's going to die there in the battle and then it doesn't happen. Setting up, of course, their battle yeah. when now it looks like when they're fighting at the bridge, you know, in season six, now sh this is finally the time when Drogluin is going to kill him and then he doesn't, right? So that's kind mm -hmm. of, that's kind of fun. Um, so, um, uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Marie points out that with the audience not knowing yet that Dra that Glaurung can speak at all, the fact that he bears the tidings back to you know back to Morgoth is uh, um, that's just kind of uh, extra, right? That we can we can save that for later. I agree. Um, good. Exactly, Florian. So if the prophecy comes up um, during the Bragalock, right when Draugluin is there, like that, there can be some reference to the you know to remind people about the Huan prophecy, um, so that we kind of build the tension there. Love that. I think that's really great. Um, uh, Kierden stuff, right? Uh, that uh, Bayor's trip to the seaside was canceled. No seaside outing for him. Uh, but we have Kierden interacting with Finrod and Fingolfin. So is he going to come to Nargathron then? Is it was that the idea? Kierden's going to visit Nargathron instead of them going to him. We have to at least once show Kirdan in the context in which he actually exists. So right. at least one of those conversations is going to happen by the sea. Um, we had briefly talked about the possibility of maybe having Fingolfin talk to Kirdan by the sea as he's preparing for his uh, his big push because right. that kind of tour, that campaign tour, yeah, can yeah. very easily just take him from from west to east across Valerian and end at Himring. Right, right. So, right. Okay. All right. Okay. So I see. So Marie says Finrod will visit Kierden, but just not with without Bayor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All he has to do is just wait a few years. So he was planning to bring Bayor, but Bayor got like old and stuff and mm -hmm. couldn't travel. So, you know, it's hard. Um, okay. Good. Good. Uh, and then, right, the dwarf story. We talked about that. Something about how the dwarves do not feel the need to lend military aid to the Noldor beyond supplying weapons. This is not their war. They don't feel threatened by this war. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but they are willing to, to give weapons because what they have is a trade relationship. Yep. No dwarf stronghold has ever fallen to the forces of Morgoth. Nope. No reason Yet. they should fear it, right? No reason they should fear it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Good. Good. All right. 
so I'm going to stop there. Um, my uh, uh, so we're going to we're going to talk. We will get to the frame, but we'll talk about the frame next time, as I foreboded at the beginning of the episode. Um, uh, the one thing I will say, I did say I would say something about the frame. Here's the thing I'm going to say about the frame. Um, there have been debates about the frame. The number one thing I would say to kind of help to con- guide continued discussions over the next two weeks as we continue to prepare for frame discussion, I am pro simple frame. I think that there is, a, and when we were talking about this, we 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 I think we're feeling the temptation to um, elaborate that story, right? Mm-hmm. Bringing in, especially with the desire to bring in, you know, younger Denethor and you know everything else. Like there was a there's there's a lot to like about involving that whole story, but that could really easily, you know, become a whole season itself. Right. And we don't, I think, want that. So I definitely do agree with those who were saying, Hakan was saying, I think a Nick, I think you were arguing for this too. Um, if we keep the frame really just focused on Gandalf interacting with a small number of people, um, so that we can have that story be, um, uh, sufficiently limited really to serve as a frame. And it was the principle that we used way back at the beginning, having the frame primarily be just a, a handful of characters. Um, it was right. really just young Aragorn and Elrond and Gilrein uh, for season mm-hmm. one. Um, yep. So I think that, that that seems to me really good. I mean, the point is that it's Gandalf's attempt to, um, uh, to do some good down there in the South. And so the primary emphasis is on both like the specific dynamics of Gandalf interacting with those people, but also the larger issue of like Gandalf, um, you know, trying to oppose the enemy, you know, down there in that, Mm -hmm. in that territory. So, um, up, up until now, the frame for last season has had the largest cast, but there were very distinct, like, there were different races involved. You had humans and elves and dwarves, and it would be very, very. It would be very clear who was who. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if we're dealing with an all-human cast in a culture we have no familiarity with whatsoever, even if you've read the books, right, right, we have no idea. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Agreed. Agreed. And, and uh, though Rihanna points out, it was almost all the characters from The Hobbit, right? Which was an advantage, of course, because they're known. Right. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, um, whereas, again, here to be introducing an entire cast of thousands of people we don't know and will never meet again uh, in a frame is is hard. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I think um, I think a very um, a very small cast and a fairly simple story, just Gandalf. So I think so I think not doing the Gondor thing, resisting that temptation we still have time. We still have decades of chronology between this and the beginning of the War of the Ring. We still have many seasons of shows and frames between now. I think what I think, um, you know, Gondor, Juvenile, Faramir can have its chance. You know, uh, yeah. uh, I'm I'm totally picturing someday. I don't know where exactly, but a like young Boromir and Faramir frame. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with like uh, 
uh, you know, with with Mithrandir coming in and Bor- him and Boromir not getting along, and I get that, that that feels like it should be a frame at some point, right? Dealing with the, the fairly recent of the death, the wizard's pupil, the wizard's pupil's business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's that's you know, there's uh, and and uh, you know, mostly building the relationship between you know Gandalf and young Faramir, totally totally should be a frame. I don't know which frame, but at some point we can totally do that. So. The time will come. <laughs> the time will come for that, but it is not yet. So anyway, so we'll continue to work on that. We'll, we'll elaborate that story and think through the frame and how it fits with the shape of the whole season. Um, that'll be our focus for next time. And then hopefully we'll be ready to talk about um, episode one after that. So we're looking at dates wise. We're looking at uh, November 5th. Um, is our next episode at 10 p.m. Um, we will not be discussing episode one, but rather the frame, and then we'll be doing episode one, presumably on the whatever is 14 days after that, 19th of November, which I think is the day, the week before Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving, I think, is the 26th. So, um, I think, so I think that's the week before Thanksgiving in uh, anyway, but there we go. So excellent. Rhiannon says episode one is almost ready. Fantastic. Um, that'll be, that'll be great. So we'll talk about that in four weeks, frame in two weeks, episode one in four weeks, and we're off and running and working through the details of our story for the season. Awesome. Nick, thank you for joining me tonight. That was really great. I really enjoyed the digging into the Dagor Bragalak there. I, I think that this is a, this is a really cool shape. It really helps to, uh, to make sense of things and, and really fits with our stories. I think that's going to be pretty awesome so thanks thanks for that and for all the work that you did uh thinking through and preparing that thanks everybody for your suggestions on the discussion board uh and look forward to continuing uh to uh work with your suggestions and see how we can resolve the frame and then onwards into the into the story and you guys are still doing where are you guys in the uh the script outline discussions now so we're going to be doing episode three um it will be two weeks from this past Sunday, as far as I know, and you know, right. okay. unless something very strange happens that I'm right. unaware of. Uh, right. So that would be, it looks like the first November 1st. November. Right. Yeah. Right. That's right. That makes sense. November 1st. So November 1st at what? 8.30 p.m. Eastern time? 8.30 p.m. Right. Eastern time. November 1st at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can join in on the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash SignumU if you want to uh, and and you're going to be you guys are going to be discussing episode three at that point. We're going to be doing episode three. Yep. Fantastic. So we're going to have a good time. Cool. And and hopefully shorter again than than uh, the last two discussions, which I thought episode two would be shorter, but it was not. And so yeah, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Oh wait, Marie says actually you're going to be talking about the frame. Oh yeah, 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 because we have to fill in the frame stuff from the past, right? And I guess that makes sense if we've, yeah, yeah, okay. If uh, you guys have a, a another couple of weeks to to go before you're going to talk about episode one anyway, so yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, cool, great, excellent. Anyway, so that'll be on the first of November, and then we'll be ready for another episode, another session here of the podcast on the fifth of November. Awesome. Thank you everybody for joining us as usual, and I will say as always, thanks for listening, and Godspeed.